0: Grab your headphones and some wine Don't be scared now
1: Hello and welcome to Weird Things and Wine, the show where we sip wine and talk about all things weird. My name is Tash. And my name is Mia. And today we will be talking about Bigfoot. Ah! (laughs) Shall we jump right into it? Yes! I am so excited. Me
0: too. Oh my gosh.
1: Cheers! All throughout history, stories of large ape-like creatures have persisted. Every culture seems to have legends of encounters, leading to mass speculation about their supposed existence. These cryptids seem to toe the line between human and animal, with many sightings detailing intelligence that rivals, or even exceeds, our own. Modern science still has not found a satisfying explanation, but the plethora of evidence is undeniable. Let's talk about Bigfoot. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful intro. (laughs) I'm
1: so excited. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah. yes do you believe yes okay perfect i have something for
0: if <laughs> i said no <laughs> i
1: would have ruined the whole thing <laughs> here you go oh. <laughs> oh my gosh it's a sticker oh
0: it's my <laughs> gosh
1: How, where did you get this there's a there's a store in a town just a couple hours away from us that is just bigfoot it's all about bigfoot oh my gosh
0: that's amazing
1: it's a sticker it's a sticker that says, I believe. So Thank that's you. what you get for food. I actually
0: love this.
1: Do you want to tell us about the drink that we're drinking?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, what we're starting off with here, it's called a Bigfoot highball, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that's an appropriate name. So I think that it should be called Bigfoot in the Forest because you garnish it with thyme, a sprig of thyme, which looks like a tree. It does. It's so, so cute. I feel like the name is not appropriate, but... It's fine.
1: It's good. <laughs> it's so cute.
0: It's very tropical. See, it was surprising. Most Bigfoot themed drinks have tropical flavors, which I was surprised about. It's, but Ill- it's weird. I saw one that was like whiskey and I was like, no. No. Let's <laughs> like let's not do that one. No.
1: Good call. It's so cute. It's a little sprig of thyme, and it tastes so good. Yes. Thank you for making this. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you like it. It's so good
0: so before we like fully fully get into anything is it okay if i do a disclaimer Mm
1: -hmm.
0: okay this is our disclaimer (laughs) for the purpose of this podcast we will be focusing mainly on the north american bigfooter sasquatch mainly more on that later also to note this is apparently quite a controversial topic and we may include controversial people for the purpose of this podcast, we will be discussing more positive points for the existence of the creature, I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we will, as always, highly suggest that you do your own research. We are not endorsing any information as fact, and we do not mean any disrespect to any person, place, culture, or thing. Thank you. <laughs> that was a beautiful disclaimer. And uh, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of passion in the Bigfoot community. Both positively and negatively. It's really surprising.
1: If you scroll through the Reddit... It's... <laughs> People get heated. Like,
0: really heated, though. Yeah. I just didn't expect that for big. I mean, uh, it's Bigfoot, so I shouldn't yeah. be surprised. But
1: I, it just... Yeah, it struck me. Yeah. So be prepared if you do your own research. People have strong opinions either way.
0: That's true. Maybe also prepared to be offended.
1: <laughs> like, a little bit, yeah. Kind of. Like... <laughs> Bigfoot has been described as ape-like but more humanish. Many researchers believe that he could be the missing link between apes and humans.
0: So freaking cool.
1: Yeah, so he's like Ugh. like right smack dab in between if you imagine a human and an ape, he's like in the middle. Exactly. Right in the middle. Mm-hmm. He usually has black, brown, or reddish hair, and it was described as hair in most of the sources that I found and not yes, fur, which same. is interesting. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like you said, black, brown, or reddish hair. There's been some accounts where he has, like, salt and pepper hair.
1: Right.
0: But it's still mainly darker.
1: hmm Um, six to nine feet tall, but occasionally even up to 10 to 15 feet tall. Some
0: people say that he can get up to 17 feet tall. That's but wild. But 15 and 17 feet, there's not that much difference between them. So he's just, he can, he's just big.
1: Like, he's, he's really big. Yeah, he's big, and he has big feet also. <laughs>
0: that was so much earnestness I'm sorry so j- <laughs> that was amazing <laughs> name's
1: flash <laughs> it's in the name <laughs> he can weigh up to 1,000 pounds but usually in between like 300 to like 700 I'd say yes Mm-hmm.
0: I don't have much to say on his weight. I mean, I feel like it's a personal matter, but
1: <laughs> we shouldn't speculate. No, no.
0: No. Any any weight that Bigfoot might weigh is the perfect weight for them.
1: Yes, we love Bigfoot. And support Bigfoot. <laughs> support fully <Absolutely>. 100%. <laughs> um, going back to the big feet aspect. <laughs> its feet are usually as big as 24 inches long and 8 inches wide, and sometimes they even have claws, and you can tell because there's like there's prints and there's like clay prints, well, Um, plaster molds. Pro- thank you, plaster molds. <laughs> they, you, you have them and then you do them, and then sometimes you can see claws.
0: That is really scary. Are claw
1: okay? Wait, would
0: claws technically just be overgrown toenails?
1: I feel like claws are different because they're pointed, okay, like sharp. This is true, but also. Because, like, cats, when they're outside, they weigh down their claws, right? Or, mm-hmm. like, they wear them okay. So, like, I imagine Bigfoot would do the same if they're walking around on, like, their feet. That would feet. make sense, right? Yeah.
0: And if they're, like, apes where they can use both their hands or their feet, which I'm assuming that they can do because they have that one special ridge in their foot that I can't remember what it's called, but it bends in the middle. I am not prepared for this, apparently. I'm <laughs> really sorry. <laughs> what is that called? Like an arch? But, yeah, but they have, like, a special... In their foot, they have something that we don't have, in which the arch of their foot actually bends.
1: Okay. Up. To for so better like, grip.
0: I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember where I was going with that. I don't
1: know where people <laughs> are going either, but it's good to know. While we're describing big feet, we need to discuss the feet. <laughs> um, sometimes the eyes glow kind of like a cat's do when you like shine a light at them at night. Which is interesting, because we don't have that. It's like a special rod or cone in the eye that makes it reflective.
0: That's fair. We do have that in certain types of flash photography, which is very unfortunate.
1: The last point I have is Mm -hmm. that he smells really bad. That's very unfortunate. (laughs) Like, really bad. (laughs) One of the relatives that we'll talk about is the skunk ape
0: Mm -hmm. named for the smell. Yeah that's, yeah, that's a pretty self-explanatory name, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah.
1: so that's kind of, like, <laughs> what you're getting into when you smell a Bigfoot. True. In fact, it's one of, like, the things that people remember about him, or it's, like, the first warning sign that he's coming. Mm. It's
0: the smell. True, it's, um, I think it's kind of either you smell him or you have this immense sense of fear. Yeah. For some reason.
1: I find that interesting because, like... Nobody talks about how bears smell bad, so it seems mm-hmm. just like a very unique thing to Bigfoot, not like a net general animal smell.
0: Maybe Bigfoot stinks because he's closely related to humans, and he just hasn't learned how to bath yet.
1: That's what I think,
0: probably. <laughs> if, if someone just left deodorant out for him and, like, soap, yeah. they probably wouldn't smell anymore.
1: We don't want that. We don't want a Bigfoot that but can sneak up on you. True.
0: This is true. Yeah. It's pro- it's probably, you know, it, they probably smell for like a reason, like inherently in nature.
1: Yeah. Like to scare pe- things off. Scare yeah. People off.
0: Or like warn people that they're coming.
1: Interesting. Well, like we'll get into whether Bigfoot is friendly and kind or not.
0: Um, I did want to say that the name Sasquatch comes from a Salish word meaning wild men. Mm. as per encyclopedia britannica
1: Mm. (laughs) citing your sources we cite sources here for
0: for safety reasons (laughs) i will cite all my sources in this episode for safety reasons
1: (laughs) do you think the bigfoot (laughs) enthusiasts are gonna come for you
0: yes (laughs) i'm scared
1: that's funny Bigfoot is largely believed to be nocturnal and solitary, although groups have been reported, and we'll get into that during one of the stories that I have. Mm. It prefers the wooded, mountainous areas that are far away from people, and it throws rocks or knocks on trees as a territorial display and communication. It's believed that that's why he does it. Mm-hmm. But if you're outside camping, in the outside, um, <laughs> and you hear, like, knocks, or, like, calls, mm-hmm. and... It gets kind of, like, weird. Like, we watched um, some Bigfoot, Finding Bigfoot. Finding
0: Bigfoot. Bigfoot mm-hmm. Amazing. Yes. It's just so fun.
1: Very good. But <laughs> a little bit weird when they start, you know, using the calls and stuff.
0: I mean, if it's true.
1: He doesn't sound like you would expect him to sound, according to some researchers. Um, but we did talk more about the sounds that Bigfoot makes in the last podcast episode during the Sierra camp sound section. Mm. Yeah. hmm So, That's like... True. For a little bit more info about Bigfoot, go check that out. (laughs) Apparently, Bigfoot has been observed, possibly. Apparently, maybe potentially leaving deer skeletons high up in the trees to mark its territory.
0: Okay, well, that's a little bit morbid, but nature's morbid.
1: Nature is morbid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe don't listen to this episode if you're, like, a little queasy, but...
1: Yeah, fast forward to this part. (laughs) That makes sense, though. Yeah, so back to the way that it sounds, apparently. Um, it speaks in howls, screams, moans, grunts, whistles, and has even been observed making, like, language-like sounds. Like, in the last episode, we talked about that.
0: Mm-hmm. And, like, um, in with the Hawaiian Littlefoot, mm-hmm. which I'm gonna mention briefly here mm-hmm. shortly... They also make almost, like, English-like sounds, but not quite. Like, you can almost pick out what they're saying, but then you realize that they're not speaking a language you can actually understand.
1: Yeah, I think it was called Samurai Chatter. Mm.
0: Wow, you have a good memory.
1: (laughs) Thank you. It freaked (laughs) me out a lot. Oh, that's why. Okay, I see. (laughs) That kind of, like, plays into how intelligent people believe that he could be. So, like, is Bigfoot intelligent to the human level or is it more animal you know does he have language does he have
0: well if you think about dolphins because dolphins specifically have like two brains dolphins are way smarter than humans they literally have like more brain power than humans do so naturally they would be smarter Mm -hmm. so like it said if you taught a dolphin math it would be able to solve it way better than a human i believe it me too Mm -hmm. so like (laughs) Bigfoot is probably way smarter than us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Because you'd have to be to, like, hide, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And if we'll get into, like, maybe he's, like, not an animal necessarily and more, like, supernatural. True. He could be super intelligent.
0: Yeah. He could be, like, scarily intelligent.
1: What if you just, like, were walking and then you stumbled across, like, a whiteboard (laughs) with, like, math equations on it? (laughs) (laughs) In the forest? (laughs)
0: I would leave immediately <laughs> that would be that would be the most terrifying thing <laughs> literally <laughs> Ew. okay, so if we 're talking about Bigfoot here as a species species have subspecies, okay, so in the North Americas, we have bigfoot and sasquatch. those terms are kind of used interchangeably along with other specific terms like the skunk cake as you mentioned um and the boggy creek monster Mm -hmm. something along those lines in nepal or the himalayas we have the yeti and the abominable snowman in australia we have the yowie. china we have the yeren, yetin really sorry indonesia we have the orang pandek i'm really sorry if my pronunciation is not there um, Central Asia and Mongolia, we have the Almas. Hawaii, we have the Littlefoot. Um, Vietnam, we have the Tauri. Mapinguari, we have... Oh, in the Amazon. <laughs> in the Amazon, we have the Mapinguari.
1: Mapinguari.
0: It sounds so cool. It sounds. It's fun to say. Isn't it? <laughs> That's why I started with that, instead of the correct name of the place. <laughs> Sorry. And... I don't know exactly how to say this, but in certain cultures, I wanted to say this. The Wendigo. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to leave it at that.
1: Yeah. That's freaky. (laughs) I didn't know that that was, like, considered a cousin, though.
0: It's considered a very, very distant cousin (laughs) that I've only seen in two places. Okay. But I felt like, you know, two is more than one, so it probably should be included. (laughs) You're right. Two is
1: more than one. That's funny. Okay. Um... So to get into the origin of the specific North American Sasquatch or Bigfoot that we're talking about today, um, indigenous people have been telling stories about it for, you know, thousand years, oh yeah. at least, easily,
0: right? Ever since stories were invented.
1: Yeah. There's always been stories about Bigfoot. And these stories span across tribes and regions from California to Washington to British Columbia because Bigfoot really likes the West Coast.
0: You know what? Oddly, he does. Mm-hmm. They do. Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna gender bigfoot i'm really sorry if i do that
1: it could be like a group too true Mm
0: -hmm. i mean there has to be more than one bigfoot
1: we will be like wildly changing from different pronouns to refer to bigfoot just because we're just
0: so freaking excited and i also Mm -hmm. have a stuffy that i meant to bring
1: today whose name is bo
0: and bo identifies as a he
1: yeah, we should post a picture of. of I think Bob.
0: I, I think I have one picture of him wearing the Bigfoot slippers with oh, like a
1: top hat. That's so cute. It's my favorite picture. We should post that.
0: Okay, take, will, I'll find it and
1: send okay. it. <laughs> take a look at our Instagram for that. Weird Things in Wine, I think that's what it's called. I
0: Weird think. Things in Wine. It's B O is his name by the way that you'll see on Weird Things in Wine and Instagram.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Bigfoot really likes the West Coast. He does. Like he's really likes those <laughs> those areas.
0: It's true. I, I think. think if you follow, like, the mountain lines, he really... Anywhere that there's, like, a mountain, he likes.
1: Yeah. Especially the Californian mountains. True. Also the Rocky Mountains. There's a few towns. Should we, like, go on a tour? Like a Bigfoot hunting tour? Yes. <laughs> we, we should take, like, a camping trip and genuinely try to find Bigfoot. Things to think about. <laughs> it would take a dramatically long time to go into all the stories that have spanned throughout all the cultures the past thousands of years very true so i'm going to start with modern stories of bigfoot which began in august 1958 okay so a bulldozer operator named jerry crew discovered large 16 inch human-like footprints in the six rivers national forest in california Many other loggers in the area corroborated these claims, so it wasn't just this one guy saying, you know, this is what happened. Um, <laughs> eventually, the creature that made these footprints was dubbed Bigfoot by the local newspaper, which was called the Humboldt Times. So, in 2003, it was revealed that the prints were actually hoaxed by a man named Ray Wallace, who was a oh. co-worker of Jerry Crew. So, his sons came forward, and I think Ray Wallace had already passed away at this point, so they... We're like, hey, this actually was fake. FYI. FYI. Um, but still, Humboldt County is considered largely the Bigfoot capital of the world. And nowadays, sightings of the North American Bigfoot range in the 10,000s, with most reports coming from the Pacific Northwest. And Jane Goodall believes that they exist, or at least she really wants them to. Shout out to Jane Goodall. If you ever want to come on the podcast, you are welcome.
0: If you ever, if you have nothing to do ever, like we're here anytime yeah, of the day it's at gonna all. Let's a drink. <laughs> yeah. Before you get in, because I think we're at the point now where we're going to start um, giving some um, evidence. Mm. Could I give some resources? Mm-hmm. Okay. I only have two. (laughs) So bigfooting is a profession. Squatching. Squatching is also a profession. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, There are a few groups that have put in a lot of effort to be a place where evidence can be compiled and reviewed to see if it's authentic or maybe less authentic. So there's two Names that kept popping up over and over again. I'm sure there are way more, but these are just two that kept popping up. You will know both of these names. Okay. <laughs> so, we first have the North American Bigfoot Search, which is nabigfootsearch.com. It was founded in 2004 by Mr. David Politis.
1: Mm, who we <laughs> talked about in the last two episodes, actually. Oh,
0: yes. We're going to talk about him again today. Ooh, okay. So... <laughs> Um, As a brief review, Mr. Politis had a career in law enforcement before becoming a cryptozoologist specializing in Bigfoot research. He's written two books on Bigfoot, The Hooper Project, Bigfoot Encounters, in 2008, and Tribal Bigfoot in 2009. Okay, when I was looking at this site and the other site that I'm going to talk about, they both have messages. And I felt it appropriate to reiterate their messages. Okay. Their message reads... We are the most professional Bigfoot organization in the world. We are dedicated to researching all aspects of Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Wildman, phenomena. We are a group of seasoned researchers and investigators. We are committed to maintaining scientific principles in all aspects of our research. Our goal is to obtain the confidence of the local community, gather as many witness sightings as possible, and couple that with extensive fieldwork and technically oriented surveillance, evidence gathering, and follow-up modeling.
1: Okay.
0: It's quite a statement. It's very powerful. It
1: is. (laughs) Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. I feel like I'm very excited for the information that you have tonight.
0: I am so excited about (laughs) the information that I have tonight. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So now I'm going to move on to the second website. Okay. Again, there are way more. Do your own research. (laughs) So we have next the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, or the BFRO for short. BFRO.net.
1: That sounds familiar.
0: It should. Okay. (laughs) Founded in 1995 by Mr. Matt Moneymaker. Of finding Bigfoot.
1: Matt Moneymaker. Yeah. Did we ever find out if that's a fake name?
0: I looked it up. Oh. As far as I can find, that is his real name. Literally, it's like, the web is, like, dry of his name information. I like... <laughs> like, it has to be his real name, but it's weird.
1: I mean, okay, so, like, he has the most business professional name ever. Oh, and he has used it. <laughs> really?
0: Yeah. I mean, like, he, he is the reason that finding Bigfoot is a show. Because he founded this, the BFRO, and then Finding Baby was like, wow, this guy is cool. And his name is Matt Moneymaker. So let's make a show about him. Yeah, because he'll make us money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Matt the Moneymaker. That's correct. (laughs) I really like you, Mr. Moneymaker. I I don't mean any disrespect to you or your name. (laughs) I
1: wonder if his middle name is the... If I was his parents, (laughs) I would do that. 100%. Oh
0: my gosh. So he reportedly became interested in Bigfoot shortly after turning double digits. Later, during his college years, he led a few expeditions. His reported first encounter was in the Ventura County Mountains, which are north of LA, um, where he found Bigfoot tracks and heard a clear howl. His first real-life sighting occurred in July of 94 um, in the Swampy Wildlife Refuge in Portage County, And then it was after this that Mr. Moneymaker founded the BFRO.
1: Okay. So, Finding Bigfoot is like his show, and then the BFRO is like the team and all the researchers and stuff around it. Mm -hmm. Can we join it? I
0: would love to. (laughs) God. That would be incredible. (laughs) Let me read you his statement first, or the website statement, because it was after I read these two messages that I realized they needed to be um, documented. So his message says, The BFRO is now the oldest and largest organization of its kind, a virtual community of scientists, journalists, and specialists from diverse backgrounds. As a result of the education and experience from its members and the quality of their efforts, the BFRO is wild, widely considered as the most credible and respected investigative network involved in the study of this subject. Okay. It has always been the policy of the BFRO to study the species in a way that will not harm them. So they don't endorse the game. Is just what I wanted to say.
1: They don't endorse the game.
0: Like the hunting game.
1: Yeah. So they or, don't want to like hurt him.
0: Or the like literal hunting game where your aim is to like hunt down Bigfoot. Like yeah. the virtual game. <laughs> yeah, virtual game. <laughs> That's okay. what I was going at there. Okay. <laughs> um, I just, to point out, the BFRO... Is the most credible and respected investigative network, and the NA Bigfoot Search is the most professional Bigfoot organization in the world.
1: Basically, both are competing.
0: They are. Okay. <laughs> it's very clear. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> there's, there's quite a few things going on.
1: <laughs> Wild. This is what I was saying. When there's like a lot of animosity, like. <laughs> yeah. Which whose side are you on here? See, I don't know. <laughs> i feel like i
0: have to be on both
1: (laughs) i feel like their general aim is the same yeah they both want to like find bigfoot and in a nice way exactly yeah Yeah. we do not endorse the hunting or hurting or harming of killing or killing of any bigfoot or animal or animal let's be real yeah our friend ash just walked by and i was reminded of something that they said one time so i'm gonna say it ash i don't know if you can still hear me (laughs) talking about something you said to me okay (laughs) I was reminded about something I didn't write down because we are talking about Bigfoot. You guys were talking about Bigfoot? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, shit. I know.
1: So, our dear friend Ash (laughs) is here, and one time they told me that if you give Bigfoot a pebble, if Mm. Bigfoot likes a pebble, then you will become friends with Bigfoot. Yeah. Or he'll kill you if he doesn't like the pebble, right? Well, I didn't know. (laughs) Presumably. That's just what I'm assuming.
0: (laughs) I have never heard that, but that's amazing. Yeah.
1: So, if you're ever walking around and you're worried about Bigfoot, just carry, like, a nice pebble in your pocket so you can give it to him if you encounter one.
0: You probably have to, like, find a pebble that speaks to you, you know? Like, all of a sudden yeah. you're walking and you just happen to look down and there's a pebble Yeah. that's, like, calling out to you.
1: Yeah. Or, like, a crystal. It's good to have, like, oh, a true, heart, true. you
0: know? Honestly. Yeah. Just like, keep finding them and then you can, like... So true. <laughs> just <laughs> offer all three. Yeah. Which one do you want? <laughs> just ten walking around with pockets full of pebbles. (laughs) Don't you
1: guys? (laughs) That's how you make friends with Bigfoot. If
0: you're going outside.
1: Gotta plan ahead. Yeah. That's right, that's right. You gotta be safe here. (laughs) We have another drink now. Oh, heck yeah, we do. (laughs) Would you like to tell us about it?
0: Okay, so I'm gonna change the name. So technically, this drink is called sex in the woods <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh like a sex on the beach yes but in the woods
0: yes so mm-hmm. we're gonna call this sex in the forest because we've put the sprig of thyme mac in which makes it look like a tree so that's how you do with drinks you just change something and then you can change the name
1: isn't the forest the same as the woods but forest sounds more appropriate you're right <laughs> it's a better name
0: woods makes it sound like stumpy forest makes it sound like greenery
1: you're right it's really good it's strong okay I have a listener story for us
0: this is so exciting thank you so much listener for sending in your story what the heck
1: <laughs> this comes from an anonymous listener who is 52 female and lives in Canada she says that she lives in an area that isn't known for Bigfoot sightings but she's always hoped to see one so. same <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to read this word for word everything that she said oh it perfect. blew my mind when I read it
0: oh my gosh I'm so, I have not heard this I'm so ready
1: okay So the details of the story make me question my own sanity, even Mm. though it happened to me. It was a snowy night in December, approximately 9:40 at night. I was traveling on a major road in our area and coming up to an overpass along the highway. I'm driving a 1500 Dodge Ram truck. I'm sorry if that's not how you say that. Dodge Ram 1500. Yeah, one of those. Um, (laughs) And this is important for size comparison smart totally yeah, right she's so smart thank you anonymous so listeners <laughs>
0: we appreciate you
1: <laughs> the intersection was well lit and it was snowing but not super heavy blizzard style as i approached the intersection just before i got to the first lamppost i saw out of the right side of the windshield a very large person <gasps> oh i got chills <laughs> uh... Now, it was snowing on a snowy road, so I was driving well below the 100 kilometer speed limit. That's how you know it's in Canada, kilometers. Honestly. (laughs) And it was backlit because of the streetlights, so it was very clear to me. Of course, I slowed down even more, thinking that it might be a bystander from the accident scene or someone needing help. But as I passed, the head of the person was level with the upper right corner (sighs) of the windshield. That is pretty huge, considering that I was driving a truck. It easily was bigger than me by two feet, and the body frame was huge as well. But here's the hard-to-believe part.
0: Okay. Wow. Oof.
1: It was wearing a fedora and a trench coat. Oh my goodness! (laughs) I mean, what the heck? I looked in the side view mirror as I passed, and it just hopped the cement dividers along the highway and disappeared. It was just gone. So yeah, I know that seems like it was a person but this person would have had to be bigger than andre the giant weird i know but that's my bigfoot story okay you know when
0: like the hair on your head like stand (laughs) like you're the hair on your head like lifts (laughs) yeah i have that feeling at the moment literally bigfoot plus men in black do
1: you think the men in black hired a bigfoot (laughs) (laughs) wow that is a really interesting (laughs) thing do we need to talk about men in black next I don't have anything on them in this podcast, but maybe we need to next time. Wild. I was scrolling through the Reddit, and there wasn't a whole lot of information about it, but there was a post about Bigfoot wearing clothes. Ah! So This is not the, the first encounter that I've ever heard where a Bigfoot was wearing some sort of clothing. Mm-hmm. And I love That is it. amazing. I love that it was wearing a fedora and a trench coat. Literally,
0: Like it was trying uh, to disguise itself. Literally amazing. Also... I could picture in certain areas around where we live, because mm-hmm. some people like fedoras and trench coats around here for some <laughs> odd reason. Like, I'm not, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I we had one, we, went, we went to school with one kid that exclusively wore a fedora trench coat.
1: No judgment. No. It's just the area that we live. <laughs> so Bigfoot was trying to blend in. That is
0: honestly crazy. I
1: love that, though. It kind of makes me think, like, what was Bigfoot noticing about humans that he wore like the quintessential disguise like a fedora and a trench coat was he just watching like old black and white movies could you oh
0: ew okay wait i just had a really scary thought okay. what if there was like an old lady that lived in like a cottage and mm-hmm. all she watched was like old black and white movies and he just watched through the window ew, <laughs> and what? that's why he got the idea
1: oh my gosh and she like had because she had like a husband, you know, now she's living alone, but she used to have a husband and uh, and he has a fedora and a trench coat, so one day he just sneaks in there, grabs it, and and just walks out. Yeah.
0: Listener, I'm really sorry. I mean I'm I am sorry, but I'm also really not sorry that this happened to you because this is amazing.
1: I'm really glad that you were safe in a car while it happened.
0: Also true and that you're brave enough to share.
1: Thank you for sharing and we really appreciate you and we would love to hear more listener stories. So, if anyone wants to send one in, we'll cover it whenever.
0: Yeah. Even if it's, like, not on any topic, we'll just... We can, like, have a podcast based around a listener's story.
1: That would be so fun. <laughs> Weirdthingsonwine at gmail.com. We're waiting. <laughs> okay. Wow. Wow, that is amazing.
0: Okay, totally unrelated, mm-hmm. but one of my favorite iPhone games is called Sneaky Sasquatch from the App Store, and it's about a Sasquatch that is pretending to be a human, essentially. So he has to sneak around and like steal trash, and then eventually he gets clothes, so then he's not recognized by people, but then eventually he has to get a forest ranger's outfit because the forest rangers can tell that he's still a Sasquatch in people's clothes. It's the funnest freaking game I've ever seen. I am so in love with this game. It's just the funnest thing ever you get people jobs eventually but also you band with the animals to try and save like the park against the bad people so like you you get jobs with like higher up people to try and uncover them so that they don't like tear down your like forest
1: okay wow that sounds so fun
0: literally the most i it's my favorite game apart from mario kart Top two. Like, top one. They share the top one spot.
1: You might need to, like, show me this in depth later.
0: (laughs) Literally, if you want to play. Because
1: it sounds so fun. So, let's talk about the Patterson-Gimlin film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is probably the most famous piece of Bigfoot evidence that exists Ever anywhere in the universe.
0: It like 100% really put Bigfoot on the map.
1: Yes. So usually I would use first names because I like to be close with the people that I'm talking about, but <laughs> for this specific instance, we're going to use last names so it's easier to tell who is who easier. Mm-hmm. On October 20th, 1967, the film was shot in Bluff Creek, California. I'm going to go into a bit of the backstory about each of the two men. Roger Patterson was born in 1933 in South Dakota, and he moved to Washington to pursue a career as an amateur rodeo writer.
0: Love
1: it. Michael. He eventually became an avid Bigfoot enthusiast, even self-published a short book of newspaper articles and interviews in 1966, which I could not find. Yeah, that's me neither. Yeah. It's It's really sad. It's not... I'm sure it's somewhere, but... Yeah, it's not on where I can find it. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But it was called, Do Abominable Snowmen of America Really Exist? And he decided to film a documentary kind of based around this idea. Bob Gimlin, the other man of the story, was born in 1931, and he became an expert tracker slash outdoorsman slash rodeo rider, and he got back in touch with Patterson in 1966 because they were kind of always friends throughout their life. Gimlin himself was skeptical, but he did agree to help Patterson shoot the documentary. The documentary was supposed to be kind of like retellings of Bigfoot encounters.
0: Patterson and Gimlin were like the very first finding Bigfoot.
1: Yeah, that's a really good way to put that. (laughs) So it was going to be partly fictional and partly real, this documentary. So the two men themselves were going to be playing characters, but they were going to be telling real encounters and they were going to be. Trying to find Bigfoot, but they didn't really expect to find him. Yeah, yeah. They chose the Bluff Creek area because it was known for Bigfoot sightings, and Patterson was familiar with the area. He had been there before. There were many tales around this area, and actual prints that were found. So that's kind of why they, they decided to, to do it there. I didn't write this properly. It which makes is sense. Stuttering. <laughs> so the film was shot on. 16mm camera, which is quite good for the time. Patterson went out and rented the best camera that he possibly could because he was so excited about this. And I think Patterson himself kind of had like a lot of big ideas and a lot of ambition throughout his life. And this was kind of seen by the people around him as like something he cared about, but also he cared about a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. So the specific area the film was filmed in was lost due to overgrowth until 2011. Which is kind of sad. Yeah, it wasn't up until fairly recently that people were able to actually go back to the specific area that they were in. Um,
0: the spe- yeah, the specific part of the film.
1: Yeah. Okay, so before they set out on this journey, they both agreed that if they did encounter Bigfoot, they would not shoot it. They would not harm it unless they had to, like if it attacked them, but they were going to be peaceful and calm about this and not hurt it. And I think a <laughs> lot of um, Bigfoot researchers kind of emulate that. Nobody really wants to hurt Bigfoot. They just want to find them.
0: Yeah. There are Bigfoot hunters, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I think they're kind of more like outsiders, outliers. Agreed. Yeah, Yeah, that's not
0: the consensus of the Bigfoot community, generally.
1: The morning of the Bigfoot film, which was filmed again October 20th, 1967, they had been camping and Patterson was sleeping in while Gimlin was out riding in the area. When Gimlin got back, Patterson was gone, but he returned pretty quickly and suggested that they go out to find something to film. So this is important because like where did he go? But he probably True. just went out to like use a washroom or something. That's like what people generally believe. Yeah. So they were riding upstream at around one thirty p.m. when they came upon a figure on the other side, about twenty five feet away. It stood up from a crouch as soon as it was spotted and started walking away from them, swinging its arms and not rushing patterson's horse got spooked and he quickly got off grabbed his camera not his gun started filming and ran after it he realized at this point that he was seeing a bigfoot a female six to seven feet tall and around 350 to 400 pounds later he said that it could have been around seven and a half feet tall and gimlin said that it was six feet tall so there's a bit of discrepancy with how big the creature actually was
0: i mean that's fair
1: Generally, people do agree that it was a female Bigfoot.
0: True.
1: Which is interesting, because you don't really hear that very often.
0: No, even in a lot of videos. Like, I feel like that's one of the only videos of a female Bigfoot.
1: Exactly. And it's very obviously female.
0: Yes. Yeah. If you watch the film, you will see why. (laughs) Don't be creepy about it, though.
1: Don't be weird. No, no, no. Um...
0: (laughs) Also, can I just say, if I was in a position where I had to identify how tall and heavy something was, I don't think I could do it. So... I'm already impressed.
1: Yeah. So the reason that they were able to kind of say with such accuracy, Mm -hmm. like seven and a half feet tall is not like between six feet tall. It's not like that big of a discrepancy. True. There is a bit of one. But the reason that they were able to tell that is because they were both hunters. So they Uh kind of would be able to tell how big a creature was from a distance. So like you and I, I, all I know is that someone's like bigger than me.
0: Literally. Yeah. (laughs) Unless I'm like up in a vehicle, then I don't know. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Like, I don't know how to tell, but since they were familiar with the outside and were Mm -hmm. hunters, they were able to, like, be pretty accurate.
0: So, I also just really quickly wanted to mention, Mm -hmm. it is October Mm -hmm. this happened, but it's also 1.30 p.m., and we're in California, so Mm -hmm. it's going to be, like, bright out. It's
1: going to be bright. It's going to be warm.
0: Yeah, you're going to be able to see pretty clearly. Yeah. You're not going to be hindered by layers or fog in your glasses
1: or anything, yeah exactly so pretty quickly after gimlin ran after this creature with his camera he stopped and steadied the camera and this is when the creature turns to look right at the camera with a look that is described as one filled with contempt and disgust
0: (laughs) oh big words (laughs) but like it's true you could see it
1: (laughs) yeah she was like not having it
0: literally i would like give you the same look if i was like sunbathing and someone started recording me
1: get away from me excuse me (laughs) so it was at this point that she starts walking a bit quicker and it's speculated that up until this point she had kind of thought that there were only horses and she hadn't really noticed the men yet when she realized oh god there's people she was like oh i need to get out of here Mm -hmm. same (laughs) (laughs) literally me in any situation (laughs) so patterson had been filming b-roll kind of all morning so it He ran out of film pretty quickly after Patty disappeared into the woods and the creature's name is Patty. Yay! Named after Patterson, of course, and I think Bob Gimlin's wife is also named Patty, so it's, like, kind of a connection between them that that I think is cute. That is really sweet. Mm -hmm. All in all, the film lasts less than a minute and the entire encounter was, like, two minutes. And there is other footage. There's, like, proof of the B-roll existing and it's just them, like, riding around on their horses. (laughs) Gimlin tried to follow the creature, but was called back by Patterson as he was getting worried that there might be another one in the area, and he didn't want to be left alone without his horse. That is actually really smart, to be honest. You can tell (laughs) that these guys were... They knew what they were doing in the outdoors. They did. Um, So they quickly found the horse that ran off and reloaded the film camera, then followed the Bigfoot tracks up into the mountains until they lost sight of them. Then they made plaster casts from the clay from the creek there was like a creek right she was like by the water so there's like footprints and they made plaster casts of it and gimlin himself even tried to like jump into the clay to kind of gauge the weight of the creature um and he couldn't make one as deep as footprints brilliant so she's big she's heavy she's a a big girl and we love her
0: absolutely
1: (laughs) um (laughs) So the prints were about 14 and a half inches long and six inches wide, which is big. Big.
0: So a size nine foot would be just under 10 inches. Okay, a size 10 is 11 inches. Okay So she would be like three sizes above a size she'd be like a size 14.
1: Okay, interesting. <laughs> Patterson and Gimlin pretty much immediately sent the film to be developed. They didn't even realize that they had caught much of anything at this point because they weren't able to review the footage immediately.
0: It's an older camera. It's Mm -hmm. not, yeah. There's no reviewable ability.
1: So they went into town. They called a reporter at a local paper who wrote a story for the next day. There were a couple of Bigfoot researchers known in the community John Green and Renata Hinden, I believe, both of them went to this area and investigated this and kind of Mm -hmm. corroborated that the prince existed and the film existed.
0: Essentially, what we're saying is that this film is real and proven.
1: Yeah, and it's film, which really can't be digitally altered.
0: Yes. So
1: the only way that it could have been fate is if there was, like, a person in a suit.
0: But also the detail Mm -hmm. that the suit would have had to have is remarkable and maybe not possible even maybe not
1: possible there's actually a man named philip morris who owned a costume shop at the time and he claims to have made the suit he claims to that he sent it to patterson in 1967 to be used in he thought it would be used in a prank and then a man named bob Hieronymus claims to have worn the suit for the film But the two men's descriptions of the suit are wildly different, Mm -hmm. and they don't match up to what was actually there in the video. Um, Neither of them have provided any evidence of this existing, no receipts, physical actual receipts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Nothing. They don't have the suit, they don't have anything about it. Neither of them have adequately replicated the suit since. So Patty bends her knees and her toes in a way that someone in a suit could conceivably not do. And her arms are much longer than a regular person's, but you can also see her fingers moving. hmm You can also see the muscles moving. When she walks, you can see, like, the muscle and fat below the fur. You can see it moving.
0: hmm so, Which, that, you cannot do in a suit.
1: No. I think it was compared to, at the same time, Planet of the Apes came out, the original. And the suits in that one are much more rudimentary, even though they are, like, Hollywood, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to tell me that someone from Bluff Creek...
1: someone from this tiny little town in the middle of nowhere made a better suit than Hollywood did Mm -hmm. like a team of experts
0: I believe it for (laughs) sure
1: (laughs) the suit would have been incredibly expensive to make not only that but the level of detail would have been nearly impossible to replicate even experts in costume making for movies and films say that they couldn't replicate that kind of detail they couldn't have made that and it has not since been properly replicated
0: including like her face
1: there's such a clear shot of her face cuz she's she turns literally and looks looking directly Don't, at Yeah.
0: Them.
1: <laughs> and I feel like if they had faked this, if this had been a man in a suit, they wouldn't have lingered on it. They wouldn't have had it look at the camera cuz it's so much easier True. to tell if it's fake then.
0: True. With how long the video was and what they had her do. What they would have had the costume her do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't make sense.
1: It doesn't for a hoax. really make sense. No. To this day, this film is regarded as the most credible piece of, big, of evidence of Bigfoot. And like I said, John Green and Rita Hinden, experts believe that it's real. Roger Patterson unfortunately passed away from cancer in January 1972, so shortly after the film was filmed. But he never wavered in his commitment and his belief that this was real. Bob Gimlin himself didn't talk much about the film until around 2005, as he didn't like the attention that he got from it. He thought that e. Patterson had benefited from it more than he had, and that he was kind of cut out of it. That's
0: unfortunate.
1: Mm-hmm. But he believes it, and he was a skeptic a skeptic to begin with, but he believes it now, and he's still alive. And he's been on... He's been on a bunch of things. Yeah. Astonishing Legends is one of it, one of them. And if you ever want to spend, like, so much time and, (laughs) enjoyment digging into this, listen to their six-part series about the Patterson-Gimlin film. It's so good, and it's so in-depth, and I cannot possibly even begin to, like, replicate the amount of information that they put into that. But they did do an interview with Bob Gillen, and it's really interesting. So, go and listen to that.
0: Also, I unfortunately did not get to watch this, but he did either star in or help produce Man vs. Bigfoot in 2021. I think it's a movie. Okay. Yeah. There's like nowhere to watch it. Like I legitimately cannot get it on anywhere. Really? Yeah. I was really annoyed.
1: That is annoying.
0: I was like, come on. (laughs) Oh, okay. Also, I see. He starred in this film.
1: Oh, so he was like, it was like a documentary?
0: No. Oh. It's another story, but he was in the film. So I'm assuming that means he also had some input into the film to make it as realistic as possible because he like lived through an encounter.
1: Yeah. It's wild. (laughs) I didn't know most of this stuff until I started researching it. Like, obviously I'd seen the video, but I didn't know. Yeah.
0: And especially when you think about the fact that like they did go out there with the intent to film,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not necessarily a real Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like that's not a fact that they would share right? if they were hoaxing this.
1: Yeah. It just doesn't make sense that it would be a hoax. And if you've seen the video, it looks so real.
0: It does. Like, it's scarily real.
1: Even to this day, there's nothing that I've seen that makes me feel the way that that film feels. In Literally. Terms of credibility.
0: Especially, like... Today's videos, which is odd, because yeah. today's cameras are so much better. But like, they still are not to the quality that that film was.
1: Yeah, and the fact that it could not have been like digitally altered. The the only way they would have been able to fake it is a man in a suit, mm-hmm. and that there's almost no way that they could have made that suit. It's wild. It's brilliant. There's no mistaking it for anything else. It's not a bear. <laughs> that's just that's a. It's that's also a not an ape. It's a Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. It's wild.
0: One of my favorite so-called facts of life is this film. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I love it. hmm <laughs> Are you going to tell me about Theodore Roosevelt? Heck
0: yeah, I am. Okay,
1: I'm
0: <laughs> Alrighty. So, if the name Theodore Roosevelt sounds familiar to you, I mean, it, like, maybe should. <laughs> um... He became the 26th president of the United States in September 14th of 1901. Mr. Roosevelt was known very much so as an adventurer or an outdoorsman. He was a very well-versed hunter in 1893, before he became president. He wrote The Wilderness Hunter, which details some of his hunting experiences. And in this book... It's possible that he wrote about a Bigfoot encounter.
1: Okay. Are you ready? I'm so ready. <laughs> okay.
0: So I'm going to try and paraphrase this because I, I don't want to, you know, be rude and steal his stuff word for word. So... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> also, please, like, read his stuff. Like, for real. If you can find it, if you can get your hands on the book, like, get it because it's really interesting. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to learn about hunting specifically, this encounter... He did not live this, but he heard this through one of the men that lived through it. I'm guesstimating that this is around the 1960s. We're guesstimating that it's around the 1960s. So sorry. The 1860s. Wow. Words are hard, man. (laughs) So we have two relatively well-versed trappers who are having a particularly poor time at their normal spot. So they decided to try somewhere new. Mr. Bauman is the gentleman that lived to tell this tale. They never actually name the other man that was involved in this, so you're only going to hear me talking about Bauman Bauman and the other man. Okay. (laughs) The two men decided to try trapping in an area that had experienced a fairly brutal murder and mutilation of another hunter only the year before. Um, Now, again, these men are tough. So this did not bother them at all. They're literally hunters. So like, they're not afraid of anything. (laughs) The area that they ended up in was quote unquote, very thickly forest and with little sunshine. So once they set up, they decided to have a look around. And upon their return, they noticed that something had gone through their camp because some things had been scattered um, and some equipment had been broken. Because they didn't notice anything else, they just sort of assumed, oh, a bear must have come through looking for food or something. So I continue on. So Bauman went on to make dinner and the other man decided to more closely examine some of the bear tracks which apparently were left. Now upon um, looking at them further he realized that they actually looked more like footprints from a two-legged creature.
1: Ooh, spooky! I know
0: <laughs> for some reason again this didn't spook them probably because they literally had like weapons. Right. <laughs> Night fell and they decided to go to sleep. Because, I mean, even if there was a a human walking through their camp, he's not... The person's not there now. So, you know, what much are they going to do? Okay. Also, apparently at this time, they did not notice the size of the footprints. Later on in the night, Mr. Bauman was awoken with a terrible smell and an upright figure near the end of his blanket, so from this wording, they're not sleeping in a tent. I they're just, just like <laughs> in like a sleeping bag, <laughs> like in the middle of about nowhere. That.
1: People do that apparently. I,
0: like, oh you gotta be like a, an outdoorsman, like for real, an <laughs> for outdoors real. person.
1: <laughs>
0: As I've mentioned numerous times, they are trappers and hunters, so they sleep with their rifles like next to them. So. Bauman's Mr. Bauman's rifle was right next to him. He just grabbed it and started just firing.
1: <laughs> oh, he like didn't even stop to make sure that Literally it wasn't no.
0: <laughs> I guess not. Okay. I mean, quick reflexes.
1: <laughs> Good thing, bad thing. I don't know. <laughs>
0: um, I mean, it's nighttime also, so he most likely missed mm-hmm. and didn't catch anything. Or, you know, didn't the the bullet didn't catch anything. Right. This did, however, scare whatever was out there away. <laughs> Because I don't know what time of night this happened, but um, presumably it was still dark. I also don't know if both men, like, stayed awake or if they, like, went back to sleep. I'm imagining that they didn't. How could you? Well, see, I don't, I I don't know. And then also, I don't know how early trapping would have started. So I don't know if maybe they just were woken a little bit early and they were like, oh, well, let's just start early. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I'm sorry, there's there's some things that I don't know. (laughs) But the next day goes on, and they leave their camp, and they do their trapping. When the day is done, they return back to camp um, to a very familiar scene as the day before. So their campsite had been, quote-unquote, destroyed. (laughs) And a much better set of tracks, showing a fully bipedal figure with giant human feet, had visited their campsite.
1: Do you think... That as he was destroying this campsite, he was like, "I'm gonna leave footprints so they know I'm big." Do you think he did it <gasps> on purpose?
0: I never thought about it like that, but probably. I mean, they like throw giant rocks to show that they're big. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like giant footprints would make sense.
1: Yeah. He was like, they are around. smart. Like specifically <laughs> stomping.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this spot looks wet. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're onto something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about this next part. I'm just going to like speak it cuz I don't have any words. So, they still decided to sleep there for another night after all of this.
1: <laughs> I don't know about that, guys.
0: I, t- honestly. So, when they'd finally gotten back into their beds, assuming it's they're like lulling into sleep but they're not quite sleeping yet, Um, They could hear something really large walking on the opposite side of the creek to them. So across the creek. Now, they tried to get up and, you know, see what was out there, but it was just far enough away that they couldn't see it, but they could hear it. So they didn't get a lot of sleep this night, which shows that they are actually real human beings. Yeah. (laughs) Um... So after everything that had happened and the, you know, traipsing that night, they decided that they were done and it was time for them to go. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So I think possibly they were a little bit spooked at this point because they tried to quote unquote, get out as quickly as possible. (laughs) Um, So to do this, they split up. So Bauman, Mr. Bauman, went to get the three traps that they had previously laid while his partner had packed up their camp. Apparently, this took Mr. Bauman quite a long time because they were full, and he returned like really a lot later than I expected him to. (laughs) It was like late in the day by the time he got back. Upon his return to camp, he found that his partner had passed by a broken neck with four fang marks. Whoa, wait, (laughs) what? And these big footprints were found all around his body
1: okay can we talk about that for a second yes that's horrifying i know okay so i had heard about the teddy roosevelt story that he had from this guy bauman mm-hmm. i did not know about this <laughs> i did not know about this at all the thing just, i know i
0: okay. know
1: Four fang marks. Are we talking like he was bitten four times? Or are we talking like... No,
0: I think more like he was bitten once, and there are two sets of top and bottom teeth.
1: Oh, I see. Yes. Okay, but like, that feels very vampire to me. I know! Yeah. Right? Like, that's... Because like, the fact that he said it was like, fang marks, and not like, this is morbid. Turn it off if you're a child. This, Um, we
0: we might restrict this one. No. Like...
1: (laughs) (laughs) The fact that he said it was four fang marks and not just like a chomp, like a bite. True. Like his skin was intact; he could tell
0: that it was only
1: bit him. And then,
0: so if you, (laughs) man, if you think about like, um, like certain feline predators, like um, I can't think, I don't know exactly which one, but like I want to say it's panthers. Okay, maybe when they go in to kill something, like they will just puncture its jugular. And, um, like, break its neck. And then they'll take it back to their, like, home to eat the rest of it. So that's, like, a prey. That's how, how some animals deal with their prey.
1: So you're saying that he probably bit him and that's what broke his neck and not that he, like, broke its neck and then bit him? I mean, I am assuming. <laughs> okay. I.
0: So, okay, so I'm going to read this one last part. Okay. So Mr. Bauman clearly noted that... Um, His partner had not been eaten at all, but he had been clearly moved around. So he was unnaturally moved, as if whatever had done this was looking at him and examining his limbs and stuff. Oh, that's
1: objectively horrifying. I know.
0: (laughs) So, okay, how I feel about this is (laughs) if this creature, which we're assuming is Bigfoot, right? If he felt really really threatened, especially because Mr. Brownman like shot at him, which is like a clear threat. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he noticed that one of the men was alone and you know, like not paying attention. I just like imagine that he would have done I don't think that the bite was like in intent to like harm afterwards.
1: <laughs> so you think that's just how like yeah, he was just like in... that's how he killed him.
0: Yeah. I also don't know where the marks are in like proportion to the neck. Like I don't, it doesn't say like where, if they were all on one side (laughs) or if they were like around, like, I don't know.
1: It'd have to be, like, big to break its neck. Because, like, if you bite someone even well, as hard as you can, you're not going to break their neck.
0: Also, though, well, like, a human. But, like, a cat?
1: Like a... Yeah. Because they can, like, kind of unhinge their jaw like a snake.
0: They can. And they That's also right. are so strong that they can move their body. That, like... That's true. You're yeah. just, like, you know? Okay. Especially if Big <gasps> Mr. Bigfoot has arms. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, so, like that's mm-hmm. so scary because that's like such like a case so it's the very contrast, intimate yeah <laughs> and like the contrast of like such like an animal way to hurt someone such an animal way to kill something but then then the investigation <laughs> of like wanting to know how what
0: is this yeah that's
1: so scary i know that kind of makes me wonder almost mm-hmm. if there is what well, we'll get into if there is like almost like an alien aspect to this because you know they have people and investigate them
0: the more stories you hear about specifically like abductions, the more that sounds plausible.
1: That is so scary.
0: I know. So I'm going to make it scarier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to review some key points from the story. Okay. So one, these humans were stalked by something standing on the opposite side of the creek or around the camp.
1: He had been watching them.
0: Yeah. Stalking, watching, observing. Yes. Yeah. This thing also had a very strong stench. Their campsite was investigated while they were empty. I know I started with numbers, but forget the number thing, okay? I'm not numbering these. (laughs) Um, There were human-like large footprints. And even though these men were strong, physically strong men, they were very experienced, and they had highly powered weapons, they were still overpowered. Yeah. Also, the... (laughs) Was only overpowered when they were alone.
1: Yeah, like it, he must have been like snuck up on because he.
0: I'm sure from that night when the Bigfoot was on the other side of the creek. I'm sure from that point onwards, they were watched the entire time, and they were. It was they waited until there was only one person to take on.
1: That's so. Terrifying. I know. I <laughs> actually am like kind of upset about that because I want Bigfoot to be a good guy, but that's like so scary.
0: We'll see. Okay, I don't think of this as Bigfoot being a bad guy because you know what did he do? He didn't yeah. like he he took a life, but he also did it in a respectable way where the person was dead. Pretty much instantly.
1: I feel yeah. Maybe like if he hadn't snuck up on him, maybe he had got. Maybe he was just like walking or like coming over to see what they were doing again. And maybe this guy, not to like victim blame, he shouldn't have died. No, this is happened, true. He, this should is thing, this happened, he should not <laughs> have died. This happened. Death is bad. Death is bad. But maybe he shot at him, and then see, Bigfoot thought that was I was, was wondering attack. as
0: well. Yeah. yeah.
1: So maybe he was just defending himself,
0: especially coupled with the shot from the night before.
1: Yeah. Theodore roosevelt he like mm-hmm. met this guy mm-hmm. and then this guy told him this story mm-hmm. i wonder if this guy knew who he was
0: he wasn't president yet no he's just a guy yeah he's just like a guy that likes to hunt and maybe likes to run for mayor i don't know how do you become a president you have to be in like the system somehow
1: right no because donald trump did it no, we don't like to talk no okay <laughs> yeah, <we> definitely- <laughs> you're right let's move on <laughs> That was a really wild story i know this is one where when i was reading i was like ah. that's so i can understand because okay. like i've heard about it but i hadn't heard the details about it and i didn't know that someone had died
0: it is quite scary yeah yes all of the other stories now that i read because this was the first one that i looked up mm-hmm. everything else now is just even scarier to me because of this
1: yeah it's so <laughs> weird i don't like it but i am also fascinated by it same <laughs> this is kind of a fun one because it t- takes place in BC. I'm excited. And nobody dies. So I first heard about this story from Astonishing Legends love because it. I love them. Love it. Um, and I fell in love with it because it's so out there and so fun. <laughs> and nobody dies. It's great. Best, the best stories are the ones in which no one passes. Mm-hmm. Albert Ostman was born in 1893 in Sweden, and then he moved to Canada, kind of Vancouver area, when he was 20 in 1913 to become a prospector. In 1924, he decided to take a camping trip for three weeks. He was told of this mine in the Toba Inlet in BC, and he was skeptical, but he had heard of creatures that existed known as the Sasquatch. So he had heard that they lived in the area that he was camping, but he wasn't too concerned about it. He was pretty experienced at this at this point as a prospector, and he was excited for a bit of a vacation away from the city. So he didn't
0: necessarily pick this spot because he's like, oh, I'm going to see a Bigfoot here. He no. just was like, I don't care.
1: He thought there might be some good like prospecting yeah. to, to be done. Okay. When he got to this area, he spent three nights at each campsite. So he had been kind of camping in this general area, moving campsites each night. Oh, okay. Until he found an area that he thought would make a really good, almost semi-permanent site.
0: Hmm. Because he was going for a long time. Yeah, he okay. was going to be
1: gone for a few weeks. Um, he spent three nights at this perfect site that he found, and each morning he woke up to find that his site had been disturbed during the night. Oh, okay. It's so interesting how Bigfoot is this giant creature, and he smells so bad, but yet you can sleep right through what he does. <laughs> so, true. <laughs> Albert himself was a heavy sleeper and figured that it was probably an animal, so he slept with a rifle and a knife in his sleeping bag.
0: Man, how crazy to, like, not be scared of bears in BC. Right? Or, like, moose. Like, dang. That is, yeah. like, a, like, a, Wow.
1: I think that Albert is one of those guys who doesn't use a tent either. I think he was just out in the open with a sleeping bag. Wow. That's... Wow. Okay. That's brave.
0: That's really brave. I'm <laughs> very frightened by you, Mr. Ostman.
1: It's, it's impressive. Ostman? Ostman? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, so on the fourth night at this site, he tried to stay awake to catch his creature, but ended up falling asleep, and he woke... To his sleeping bag being carried throughout the night. Ah. So Ah. (laughs) he was carried for three hours and he thought that, in retrospect, he thought maybe 25 miles in his sleeping bag. So he was like kind of curled up and he had his rifle and his knife, but he couldn't really maneuver either of them to like do anything. And he also didn't know what was going on, you know? Mm, mm -hmm, And at that mm -hmm. point, when you wake up and you're like, being carried in your sleeping bag. Imagine you won't be able to breathe very well because you can't get fresh air in there. He's in his sleeping bag? Yeah, he's in his sleeping bag.
0: What do you mean? Like, like he's he like inside, like yeah. he's like fully inside his sleeping bag? Yeah, like his sleeping oh. bag has
1: now turned into a sack that he was at the bottom of <laughs> and he can't see out of.
0: Oh! He's not oh, being carried oh, like oh. this. Totally, well I totally thought he was like over the shoulder, like head...
1: Facing no. back, his head is not out, oh, he has no idea what's He's going
0: on. fully being, oh, I see. Yeah, okay. Well, well hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay, Let's see.
1: So, all he could tell from inside his little sleeping bag where he can't see anything, he could tell that whatever was carrying him was large and was also carrying his pack of stuff that he couldn't reach, but he could like hear it. Oh. And he could kind of tell that they were going over terrain that he wouldn't expect someone to be going over
0: difficult terrain
1: mm-hmm. okay he could also hear it muttering to itself frightening yes <laughs> like he couldn't make out the words you know but he could tell that it almost sounded like a language mm-hmm. which is a mm. common thing when he was finally dropped he found himself surrounded by four bigfoot okay well that's scary Mm-hmm. that's scary <laughs> he like crawls out of his little pack and he looks around and there's just like these four giant creatures looking down at him and he said that they had wide jaws a narrow forehead thick hair all over their bodies long arms and thickly padded feet so albert believed that there were two parents and two children almost like a family so the largest was the father eight feet tall and this was the one who had carried him to this site makes sense He was in a canyon of about 8 to 10 acres that seemed to only have one way in and out. Walls on either side, it was big, but he could tell that there was no real way getting out besides the way that they had gotten in.
0: Which was really difficult.
1: Yeah, really difficult, unless you're a Bigfoot, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So he got the feeling that the two smaller ones were scared of him, and that the adult female was irritated with the male, like he had gotten (laughs) home a lost puppy or something. (laughs) Oh They're just like us. (laughs) (laughs) So they didn't hurt him at all. They kind of just, like, kept him there. And they fed him sweet grass. Hmm. So he decided not to, like, fight back. He decided not to use his gun or, you know, do anything to harm these creatures. They fed him sweet grass, and he got the feeling that perhaps this area that they were in was sort of like a stopping point it wasn't like their home base that they had just like come here to have the sweet grass they were feeding him
0: oh like a delicacy yeah Ooh. okay interesting Mm -hmm. yeah
1: he didn't use his guns he didn't have a lot of shells and he didn't think that they would do much against the big one and he found himself kind of not wanting to hurt them like, the way that he describes them, it's so interesting. And I haven't heard anyone talk this way about Bigfoot. But he, they seemed really human to him. Like, they seemed not animals. They seemed like humans.
0: Okay. so interesting. Yeah. There are, like, so many stories of, like, hunters where they have Bigfoot, like, in their, like, rifle, like, shot. Mm-hmm. And they just, this overwhelming feeling comes over. And they're like, I can't kill this. Mm-hmm. I can't shoot this.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, crazy. It's... And, like, I would not want to be able to, I wouldn't shoot, be able to shoot any animal. No. But an um, experienced hunter should be able to shoot an animal. But there must be something more human about them.
0: There has to be. That your brain recognizes it as, this is me. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, like, I can't this, kill I can't, this. Yeah, exactly. It's a human. This would be murder. And that's the way he described it. He said, <gasps> I can't kill it. It would be murder. Interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: when I saw a monkey for the first time, looking into its eyes, it was, like, really unsettling how humans they were like it's a human eye it looks like it has human feelings and human thoughts you know just like in a smaller hairier body so the creatures um they seemed fairly intelligent they had even like woven blankets out of moss although oddly enough when he used like empty food containers as like a cup for water they seemed very intrigued by this idea that he could make a cup so they could make blankets but they couldn't make cups
0: Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe, okay, interesting. I guess they would have a need for blankets and not for cups.
1: Yeah. Cool. Right? He didn't observe them cooking or eating meat, but he kind of thought that maybe they did and that they just didn't have have any available. At the time. And yeah, that's why they were eating this sweet grass. Hmm. Um, and they didn't seem very surprised when he made a fire. That's intriguing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because it's like, can they make fire themselves? That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So they were very impressed by the cups, but not, not very impressed fire. by the fire. <laughs> so the day after he arrived, he tried to leave through the, the way that they came in, but he was stopped by the big one, and it said something along the lines of Soka Soka. He also had, like, no solid idea of where he was because, again, he had been in his sack, unable to see out when they had traveled. But he knew that he was, like, far enough from his sight that he wouldn't be able to get back easily. He did have a thought, and this kind of plays into how he viewed them more human than animal. He kind of thought that maybe he could take the younger female with him because she was friendly towards him and she wasn't big and scary.
0: (laughs) Oh, she was. Oh, Oh, okay. So she wasn't herself big and scary and she also wasn't scared of him
1: yeah well they were like uh, the younger two they were, were like, like hesitant yeah. about him but they, he had like observed them playing in the trees and like climbing up the canyon walls
0: hmm. oh that's scary
1: yeah so okay. they were like super agile in this little canyon that they're in but hmm. he thought that maybe he could take the younger female with him. But then he thought about it a bit more, and he considered that possibly she wouldn't like the city very much. Really?
0: I wonder. Yeah. Huh. I'm so glad that he came to that thought at the end there.
1: <laughs> but the way that he described it was sweet. He was. He thought that, like him, she would not en- would not enjoy the city. Like him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So he's, like, really connecting with these creatures. That's actually really pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, kidnapped him, and he's like, well, maybe they're not, like evil. Or is
0: this, like, what's that syndrome called?
1: Stockholm Syndrome? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. When he realized that the bigger one, especially adult male, seemed interested in the snuff that he had in his pack, Mm. he thought that possibly a full container could knock him out
0: oh okay. i was not expecting the story to go this way yeah, okay. well he has to
1: leave right so he's like okay. i can escape i'm gonna give the big one some stuff which is like in this context it's kind of probably powdered tobacco but it could also be like chewing tobacco or it could also probably maybe possibly be cocaine oh so it's one of those three <laughs> options we're not really sure okay. which well all right then okay but he he figured that a big one like a full can could knock out the big one right Okay. Mm -hmm. So he spent six days in this canyon with his family, and he watched the older ones rest and the younger ones play, jumping and climbing, and he opened a new container of snuff one day and offered some to the big one, who took it all. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's fair. He's large, you know. He's Mm going to need a lot. So the big one eats it, right? Okay. Immediately freaks out, panics, because he's like, you know. He's feeling weird. It doesn't feel good. It hurts. It burns. You're not supposed to eat it. even chewing tobacco you're not supposed to like swallow
0: oh i've never done that okay this makes more sense now i see
1: so he freaks out and he like runs to like the water ran to the spring to like drink some water and it's like the way that he describes it is like really cartoonish he said that he had like (laughs) fallen over and that he had done what the younger one had done in the sense that he like curled into a ball and rolled (laughs) towards the street It's actually really endearing it's kind of cute right Aww. this is like a very fun story
0: wow okay love the fun vibes i'm gonna go with it now
1: <laughs> so while the big one was gone albert grabbed all of his stuff and ran and the large the adult female ran after him but he Ooh. shot over her head specifically not at her but okay over her. just
0: like a more like an up like yeah. A warning.
1: yeah okay. to scare her off and then he ran until he couldn't run anymore And eventually, he had, like, lost them. They weren't chasing him. And he realized that he was probably safe. So he followed the sounds of logging equipment to a camp. And then he told the workers what had happened, and that he was just a lost prospector because he didn't want them to think that he was crazy. (laughs) And then he (laughs) wandered back into the woods. Why? And then, like, went, like, 60 miles back to where he had, like, showed up. Which is almost the weirdest part of the story to me. Could you imagine being (laughs) the logging sound? (laughs) (laughs) this like wild man
0: comes out of the woods who's probably like really smelly yeah talking
1: about Bigfoot now he had like attacked one with snuff (laughs) and then wanders back into the woods
0: okay Mm -hmm. I don't why did he wander back into the woods that's really okay hmm this poor man This poor Bigfoot family. They were probably (laughs) horrified after this and never wanted to take a Pearson, a person again. Which is probably good, (laughs) but... Well, I mean, it's good, but also really terrible for Bigfoot-human relations, you know?
1: (laughs) It really is. Um, Albert did not tell his story until 1957. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's a while. That's a while later, yeah. But since more and more sightings were becoming known, he felt more comfortable coming forward. He didn't want Mm. to be viewed as crazy. Right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, leading professionals in the field did find him credible, even though this is an insane story. <laughs> like, this is wild. Um, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and he did sign a solemn declaration that swore he was telling the truth.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: But he also never went prospecting again, which is almost more telling that this outdoors man never went outdoors again. Wow. Um, and passed away at 82 in 1975.
0: Hmm. So I just am kind of curious. Never mind. I'm I'm not curious anymore. What? I got confused, never mind. Okay. <laughs> this is BC. Never mind. Yeah. I was like, what if the female, because the time is so close, what if the female could also have been the same female that was spotted in the Patterson Gimlin film? It's very but
1: possible. They walk, they're big. They could walk. <laughs>
0: ever know that's true and i mean technically a lot of mountains are like connected
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's so interesting
1: i think like the california mountains like there's so many sightings along there and mm. then also the rocky mountains mm-hmm. he's not really in valleys he mostly likes mountains
0: remember that for later okay okay
1: my favorite part of that story is though that like he found them so human that he didn't want to hurt them at all agreed just, I, I like that, because you don't really get that perspective very much. And after the terrifying Bauman story, I feel like <laughs> we needed something a little lighter.
0: I'm really glad that you have this story, actually.
1: Go listen to Astonishing Legends, Albert Oseman. Please. It's so good. They go into more detail than I could, but it's so good.
0: So really experience it for yourself.
1: Yeah. All right. Okay, will you tell me another story? Yes. I'm really enjoying you telling these stories.
0: I actually really love telling you stories because it just your reactions are just like amazing okay so i'm gonna now reveal some information to you which i'm hoping you're gonna go (gasps) to okay okay so mr david politis he has two books on bigfoot right i was able to get one
1: (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) what is it called
0: um it's the second one tribal bigfoot i got the second one first because i was like he kind of said that this was, like, a follow-up to the first one with a bit more in-depth. So I was like, this one, yeah, this one sounds, like, good. Right. And then after I got it, I was like, oh, shoot, I need—I really should get both. But yeah. then it was, like, it wasn't showing me the second one on my iPad. And then I, like, couldn't get to it on my, like, <laughs> phone. And I was like, what is going on? Okay. Do not go on Audible or any other book sites to look up Bigfoot stories. Because they're all smut stories. <gasps> literally not kidding like the first bunch there was the first one was normal and everyone after that was like a like a like a creepy story oh my
1: god and i was like did you read them
0: i the i list. accidentally clicked on the second one because i was like wow what a, this sounds like a crazy encounter <laughs> it it's named <laughs> it's named it's not like named you Big know
1: sex? yeah
0: it's not named that <laughs> it's i think it was like something like a a chance encounter or something and I was like a chance encounter (laughs) and then I read the description I was like WTF is what is wrong with people no okay back to the meat and potatoes of this (laughs) this story Mr. Politis his book this book the second one of Bigfoot is like 500 pages long it's so long okay (laughs) that I did not get to read all of it okay so I kind of skimmed through and tried my best to find Stories that I wanted to include, which is why I just found Mr. Stewart's story that I was like, oh my gosh, this one's really exciting, but like, it's a lot. Okay. So.
1: Are, it's all, all, are all the stories from his book?
0: They are. Okay. Apart from one. Okay. Again, if you can get your hands on his book, like for real, like do it. It's really cool. And he has like newspaper clippings and like photographs of like footprints alongside his own foot. Which I will show you because it's in one of the stories, but like it's just an amazing book.
1: I'm so excited.
0: So before I get into these, like this, he notes that it seems like elevation has some importance somewhere when you're talking about Bigfoot stories. Like they prefer certain elevations or they act certain ways in different elevations. Like he's not really sure exactly yet how that ties in, but it definitely does. Okay, because of all
1: the facts. That's so interesting. Okay, no.
0: First person from his book I'm going to talk about is um, Mr. Mel Hester. So Mr. Hester lives in Hyampom, Hyampom, California, USA. Okay. <laughs> um, so he is a retired area manager for the U.S. Forest Service, and he had that had been his job for over forty years. Now I didn't know what an area manager was. Okay. <laughs> Which made me feel dumb. So I had to look it up. <laughs> there is a current job opening for a forest area manager um, in Peace River. <laughs> Where's that? Peace, like BC Peace it's River. Close. Yeah. I know. Do you okay. want to be a forest manager? They make like a thousand like a hundred thousand dollars a year. What do they do? Kind of they're just meant to quote unquote oversee the implementation and delivery of the division wildfire management forest health, and forest management. The responsibilities include making sure that the forest is healthy, um, making sure that it's taken care of, and that any people in the forest are doing what they're supposed to be doing, and also overseeing wildfire prevention, and also being a vital contact for various industry stakeholders, including the indigenous communities and municipalities. Okay. So really, you just like... You're, like, the top guy that, like, I think this is what this is saying. Okay. You're the top guy that kind of just, like, oversees everything and makes decisions and needs to be nice to everyone, including, like, the animals. Like, it's your responsibility to make sure that the forest doesn't burn down and, like, die of a plague. Right. Okay. Okay. Back to the story. (laughs) So, back in November of 1970... Mr. Hester got a call from a resident deputy sheriff in the area who had received a call of a prowler on a ranch. So actually, I should say this first. There's a few stories from Mr. Hester. There's not just one. So okay. it's like a few little encounters.
1: Prowler? I don't like that Yeah.
0: Term. Well, so this ranch, it was like a, like a research bunker, kind of, for teenagers. So they would... I know it sounds suspicious. I was like, <laughs> this sounds like a party house. But uh-huh. apparently, these... These teenagers would go there and spend a week learning about wildlife and, like, camping. Oh, that's kind of cool. Right? It's, like, really, like, surprisingly wholesome. (laughs) (laughs) When they got there, there were five teenagers between the ages of 15 to 19, 19 being the one that I guess was more in charge of, like, the younger kids. Right. So the teens had heard something walking around camp, and bravely they decided to go and check it out as one does when they're in a horror movie Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yes (laughs) i don't know exactly if they like split off into groups but it ended up being that there was a group of two that was they were walking down one of the trails and a huge quote-unquote huge two-legged creature with hair all over its body unquote crossed on two legs in front of them so then they came back and they called the sheriff that's so spooky i know (laughs) So Mr. Hester and the sheriff um, they investigated the area and they found twelve tracks. They were seventeen inches long and five to eight inches wide. They were apparently pretty clear. Um, and he noted two things: one, the tracks were almost in a straight line, as in there was no like how someone would walk like normally. They were just like one foot in front of the other, which is I've never heard that described before. <laughs> And then two, that it was like really huge strides. Abnormally large strides. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. I was watching a video the other day about how cats walk, and the way that they walk is they put their paw down, their front paw, and then their back paw gets put in the same place that their front paw was, right? Oh! Which I've never noticed before, but that's how they walk. And that kind of makes me wonder if Bigfoot is doing the same thing somehow.
0: What if, if Bigfoot walks both on four, like on all fours, so then it's used to doing that feline thing, but then when it walks on twos, it still does the feline thing, because that's what it's used to. Oh,
1: okay. I thought maybe you were going to go with this, but foot has four legs, <laughs> literally four feet. Oh,
0: that's why you were so reactive, I see. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, that's not where I was going with that. Ooh, but then with like, the feline thing, they're used to doing that on all fours, and then they stand upright and they still do that? Yeah, the or- same
0: thing with like the breaking neck thing. Well,
1: I just want to say that. Are we discovering this right now? That's objectively horrifying. It
0: kind of is. I don't really like that, but kind of cute to think that Bigfoot walks like a cat.
1: Yeah, cats are cute. Now I just
0: picture it more like gently, just gracefully, yeah. like placing the feet down.
1: Yeah, maybe. Oh, I like
0: that a lot better. So
1: interesting. Like, why would it be walking?
0: Apparently, that's how it walks.
1: Just like in a straight line. Yeah,
0: like an like an almost straight line. I don't understand. I don't really understand the like full, you know, bone structure of a of a Bigfoot. So I don't really understand that's possible because, like, I absolutely cannot do that.
1: <laughs> I feel like isn't that how models walk? It's Bigfoot well, just do. running Is- the forest, <laughs> like sashaying? shading. <laughs> oh, could you imagine hip
0: swinging <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. Aww. Oh. Now we move on to March of 1971. So November, December, January, February, March. Four months later, like very close to where this happened, Mr. Hester received multiple reports of odd-looking tracks going down the middle of a nearby road. So this road's called Big Bar Road. It's not a main road. So when it snows heavily, the road is closed. And at this time, there was snow on the ground and the road was not drivable and closed. So people passing by saw that there were these really odd-looking tracks down the middle of the road. So obviously, Mr. Hester goes to check it out, and again, he noted very similar things. These tracks were huge, they looked like human feet, you know, the normal stuff. So, Mr. Hester, it says that he walks up, elevation wise, up 600 feet. So now he's at an elevation of 4,400 4, feet. Okay. Which I don't, I just thought that that was really interesting that you could figure that out. Yeah. So I wanted to say it. <laughs> Once he got up there, he was able to see that the tracks were about 20 inches long. And that there was a six foot stride. And again, that it was in a perfectly straight line. Or an almost perfectly straight line.
1: So weird. It's crazy. I know. Whoa. Six feet?
0: It's literally taller than me. Yeah. By like two feet. <laughs>
1: I don't know that it is. No, by one. By. <laughs> how tall am I? You're not four feet tall.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I mean. I mean two inches. Remember when I said math is like art? And if I saw a whiteboard with math, like in the woods, like the most terrifying thing ever.
1: Oh, that's funny. <laughs>
0: love that you catch that stuff. (laughs) I'm tall. (laughs) Mr. Hester is a brave man (laughs) for the record (laughs) because he followed these tracks for approximately half a mile when they finally like immediately went off an embankment and down a really steep hillside.
1: The one and only time that I have seen a wild cat going back to the feline the- theory when it was ahead of us in we were driving in like a jeep and it was ahead of us on the road and all of a sudden it decides that it doesn't want us behind it anymore so it jumps off an embankment hmm. is
0: bigfoot a cat <laughs> <laughs> is bigfoot related it like in the feline
1: family somehow
0: is it like a mixture of three humans apes and felines
1: oh my goodness that would make so much sense though are we discovering something here or did we do something do we need to contact like mr politis please
0: <laughs> mr. <laughs> and matt
1: moneymaker and jane goodall where are they? please
0: oh dear <laughs> we're gonna jump ahead a bit We're not jumping ahead. It's just nothing apparently happened until December of 1991. So again, it's snowy. So
1: that's like 20 years later.
0: Yeah, like exactly 20 years later.
1: I'm paying attention.
0: You're doing so... Oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm so impressed. (laughs) So this is still like the same sort of area. Um, There's a mountain near Big Bar Road that's called Ray's Peak. And it's apparently in the area. It has a history of really strange activity. Namely, lights or orbs that, like, hovers around close to the tops of the trees. There is a a gentleman named Curly Lingerman.
1: Curly Lingerman? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I don't know why you said it like that. That sounds like a fake name. Oh, it is. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: I'm kind of wondering if perhaps I'm now saying his name wrong.
1: Well, Matt Moneymaker also sounds like a fake name (laughs) and we've accepted that as fact.
0: Okay, well, let's look a (laughs) bit.
1: I'm going to call him Curly.
0: Mr. Curly is how I will refer to him. I mean, like, it just feels better. Yeah. I feel like I'm showing more respect if I, like, say, like, a nice, you know...
1: Okay. Like, Mr. Bigfoot. <laughs> That's correct, yeah. yes. Okay, okay, so Mr. Curly. Yeah,
0: Mr. Curly. Um, he called up Mr. Hessman. Hester? Mr. Hester. on <laughs> <laughs> Names are hard, too. <laughs> so, he called up Mr. Hester because... He had seen some strange lights up at Ray's Peak. He asked Mr. Hester to accompany him there to check it out. Brave. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So once they got there, um, Mr. Hester, because he knows the area, he determined that there are no roads where the light was spotted. So they drove as far as they could and they had to walk the rest. Um, They didn't see anything other than tracks on this night. So Mr. Politis, in his telling of this story... He says that Mr. Hester sort of went back to another story after telling this one, this last one. So we're going to go now to fall of 1975. So back a few years. So when I said before that nothing had happened for like 20 years, that was not true.
1: Oh, you were like...
0: I'm trying to tell it. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to like give the feeling of this book.
1: Oh, okay. Is it all over the place? He just
0: tells it really dramatically. Like, it's he writes it almost like an autobiography. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it, like, it's, but it, there's, like, gems of information. So if you can just get past how the book is told, like, okay. it's really interesting. All right. Okay, so Mr. Hester, while he was still working, he had an assignment with one of his co-workers, who he was close friends with, reportedly, named Tom Hutchinson. Um, so their job at that time was to slash burn up on Curlin Ridge? which is around the same area. It was a long day, I'm assuming. (laughs) So after they had finished, they were heading back, back to, I guess, the truck to get home. So it's like dusk at this point. It's like, it's almost dark, but it's, you can still see where you're going. And all of a sudden, a giant ball of white light appears hovering above them. Not directly above them, but like above them, like a little ways in front.
1: Was it the moon?
0: see i thought that as well but (laughs) it apparently was not the moon okay (laughs) so um they stayed and watched it for maybe two or three minutes and it didn't move at all they noted a few things during this time because like two and three minutes doesn't sound like a long time but it really is when you're having an encounter Mm -hmm. as most of these encounters will tell you because most of them are like two or three minutes so they said that it was so bright that it lit up the land and the trees underneath where the ball was like it was daytime, even though everything else in the area was, like, dark. So That's- it was just right beneath the ball that lit up. And they weren't directly underneath it.
1: Okay.
0: After these three minutes or so, it, like, darted away. It moved very quickly away, just above the trees. Ooh. <laughs> um, and then they it moved so far away that they could no longer see it. So at some point later, and I'm presuming it's very shortly after the ball moved away, another coworker of theirs who was around the same area radioed them saying, what the hell was that? Can I say
1: hell here? The hell isn't a bad word. What the hell
0: was that? Okay. <laughs> yes, so they noted a few more things altogether. So this ball of light made no sound. It only made light that painted the ground directly beneath it. Now, all of these men are like professional men. They have very high-paying jobs. They take them seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and there's three people now that have seen the same thing. So they all together, they guessed that the orb was probably, most likely, trying to watch something on the ground. because Ooh. And because there's very limited human activity there, and it wasn't really looking at them they said Mm. specifically it seemed to be searching for something
1: that's horrifying (laughs) that's so scary yeah okay so that (laughs) kind of reminds me of or brings to mind like how when aliens abduct things yeah the
0: glowing light that beams down only in like this one small area
1: yeah also it reminds me of the sierra camp how they saw that rod of light moving Mm mm-hmm yes that's so scary (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh because like oftentimes these lights are seen in areas with bigfoot sightings too that's so spooky no. <laughs> oh that's so scary
0: i don't usually like get like nervous when we're recording things like even like a few of our scarier ones like i didn't really get like i got scared when i looked at like photos but i didn't like feel like chills just like reading stuff mm-hmm. this one i did
1: that might be because like I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like both of us kind of believe in this a bit more than most. Such
0: certain people, yeah. Honestly, that would make sense.
1: And I feel like I feel like we're onto something here with the like. <laughs> it's like, just, it's uh, suspicious. The feline yeah. stuff. It's it's
0: suspicious. It's I don't know.
1: I feel like nobody has ever mentioned it before, but it seems like a thing
0: somehow yeah just like somehow in there i don't know there's
1: something about it and especially the fact that bigfoot is like so big but it can sneak up on people like a cat can sneak up on anyone no matter how big they are
0: honestly it's so true
1: like my cat is huge and he still scares me all the time (laughs) all right so
0: also taken from mr politis's book we have a mr aaron carroll um, Mr. Carroll lives in Gasquet, California. It's Northern California. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mr. Politis did do some like BC stuff, but it, it, it's not very eventful. <laughs> the things that he covered.
1: So, okay. since yeah. our bigfoot are like nicer,
0: I kind of think so. Actually, I have a note. There seems to be a difference between the U.S. and the Canadian big feet. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, from the evidence, it seems that Bigfoots in the U.S. are more stagnant than Bigfoots in Canada. So, Bigfoots in Canada, they move around a lot. Bigfoots Mm -hmm. in the U.S., they generally have, like, one general area that they sort of call home and they don't really move far from there. Hmm. Probably due to, like, Canada having more seasons than the States generally does.
1: How can they tell that?
0: I don't know, (laughs) to be honest with you. (laughs) okay but it's really interesting (laughs) um okay so this story takes place in june or july of 2004 so aaron had just pardon me mr carroll had just graduated the year before from high school so he was 19 years old at this time okay this the area that he lived in apparently it seems to be quite an outdoorsy kind of space so he was used to doing a lot of stuff outdoors and he was he was not afraid of like hiking, camping, stuff like that. He also was used to hearing many stories, like Bigfoot stories. Um and he generally assumed according to this book that they were either fake or that they were from people that weren't used to the outdoors that just like saw a bear and mm-hmm. confused it as Bigfoot.
1: Okay.
0: Yes. So it's like what did I say? A month after he grad—oh, a year. Excuse me. It's a year after he graduated. Um, so he and two of his friends decided to quote-unquote head up into the woods and shoot something. Could have right. been could have been worded nicer. Mm-hmm. Nicer, but it's fine. <laughs> Mister Carroll said that this was mainly just so like an excuse to spend time together because uh-huh. you know you drift apart from people after you graduate. So one of the friends. Suggested that they go to a place called French Hill Road because he knew that area well, and he knew that there was a lot of game Because the goal was to shoot something. It's around 2 p.m. that they arrived at um, Tyson mine, which is was at that time an abandoned mine It had been abandoned like roughly 50 years before so it's been abandoned for a while So once they get there they decide to split up and scout out a spot they each took their separate ways and would meet back at the truck in 1 hour. As Mr. Carroll was walking around, he found a spot with maybe 20 younger pine trees in like a meadow. So like they're not full-grown pine trees, but like they're they're like halfway grown.
1: Okay, like
0: teenagers. <laughs> yeah, they're like teen trees. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um he wanted to like find a better vantage point to look at this area. So so he just climbed up further to see more of the meadow. Okay. <laughs> this part of the story was a little bit interesting. So it says that he walked until he found an area where he wanted to lie on his back and look up because it was a hot summer day. Okay. I've, I've never had that feeling before. If I ever am like, if I'm like panting because it's so hot and I'm like exhausted, I don't really want to lie on my back facing up. I kind of just want to like, like, like kneel over on the ground. Like face down and like throw up. No, okay. <laughs> so I don't understand this feeling. <laughs> but apparently, when he felt this, he decided to look back at the meadow, and he saw that something was moving in the center of the trees. Um, so he moved around so that he could actually see what was in there, and he saw a very large figure kneeling and moving his arms frantically, like it was digging or something. Oh, yeah.
1: For some reason, I thought maybe he was trying to get his attention, which is (laughs) particularly more horrifying. (laughs) Why why is he digging, though? It's way scarier.
0: (laughs) I like digging much better.
1: Why is he digging, though?
0: I will tell you at the end. (gasps) Okay. I promise. Okay. So he noted as he was watching that it's very hairy like a bear, but it's bigger. This was salt and pepper in color. Mm. I don't know if that means anything about age because of things that I'll mention in a bit. Um, and that he said that it moved like a human. Like a, like a human would dig with their hands, like in the sand or something. Like, so this thing was as well. A lot of this story is just kind of Mr. Carroll trying to get a better, like, view at the thing. So he moves and tries to, like, look at it better, but he, like, glances down just to check his footing. And when he looks back, the creature is no longer, like, in the middle of the trees. He can't see it anymore, but he can hear that it's, like, moving down below, like, stomping around <laughs> Like, not really stomping, but, like, stepping and, like, breaking branches while it moves.
1: But he, like, looked down and he looked up and then it was gone. Yeah,
0: That's and then he couldn't see so it. so scary. But he could hear it. Okay. Which makes it less scary. Yeah,
1: <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> like, slightly. Yeah. So, he does
0: his best to follow the sound. And eventually he sees this figure again. But this time, because it's on a hill, this figure is, like grabbing rocks and first rolling them and then just like chucking them like overhead reaching back and then just overhead chucking them down the hill so that they like roll down the hill. Like a child.
1: Any reason just for
0: fun? Not apparently for any reason. Yeah, just like for fun. He at this time got an incredibly good look at the creature. And at some point he also realized that his rifle, even though it apparently was not reliable, like it was like old and like rusty. So, like, and it gets jammed after he shot it once. So, he would have to, like, unjam it. I don't know anything about guns. But it wasn't a good gun. <laughs>
1: well, I feel like a 19-year-old should not have a gun. Especially it's one that doesn't can.
0: work. No, like, honestly? Yeah. <laughs> but he realized that somehow, this he aimed the rifle directly at this creature. Like, unknowingly. Just, like, by instinct. He just had raised it. And he just finally noticed that he was, like, pointing in at the creature. The book doesn't say whether like what thoughts specifically went through his head if he thought about like i'm gonna shoot this or like i'm not gonna shoot this or like anything but it's kind of like as soon as he realized that he was like aiming a gun at this thing and then he realized that he wasn't in a good position to shoot so he decided to move and he looked it so (laughs) how the book describes this is two things happen at the same time mr carroll moved like shifted and like slightly looked down to get like to shift over to a better position to point his gun and the creature turned his head just slightly and mr carroll said that as soon as he looked down like the corner of their eyes like almost met and he swears that the creature saw him because as soon as he looked up again the creature was gone Ew, Split second. But because of how the hill is, the only way that the creature could have disappeared so fast was if he had jumped down. Like, just instantly in, like, the split second just, like, jumped, like, down the hill.
1: Like a cat. Yeah. Or maybe he just disappeared.
0: Maybe he just is one with the forest and just... Was gone. Yeah.
1: It's interesting to me that that guy... His instinct was to aim a gun at it, whereas Mm -hmm. a lot of other people are like, my instinct is to not do that.
0: I know. Yeah. But also, it wasn't until he realized that he was, in fact, aiming a gun at this thing that the thing noticed he was there. Because, like, when he was observing it before, I'm sure he was still visible. But the creature still was just, like, digging and...
1: Yeah, almost Doing like a defense stuff. mechanism. Like, it knew that yeah, it was about to be... Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, it can sense when metal is, like, facing it.
1: Yeah, or, like, dangerous. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like, Sense. S- Spidey Sense. Spidey Sense.
0: Like that. Better than Seventh Sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Are they spiders? Ew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's... Let's... I don't want to go there. No, <laughs> that's really that's scary. That's I. I don't like that one. <laughs> uh, so... This poor kid i don't know why i said that i just feel like he would be scared after this but he went back to his friends um and then they all decided to go back and see what it was digging i'm i'm sure that they probably went back to see if it was still there Mm -hmm. it wasn't so what it was digging up was mushrooms and grubs which is apparently a common thing i
1: feel like that cannot be this guy's main diet if he's i mean honestly that's not realistic no Because, like, when you said that it was digging, I was like, is it digging a grave?"
0: When I first read the story, I kind of thought that it was digging to, like, bury another human being that it had just, like, murdered. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest with you. (laughs) And then the story changed to mushrooms and grubs, and I was like, oh.
1: That's so scary. It almost is like a weeping angel. Like, when you look away, it moves. Ew! Oh, ew i hate that oh i
0: don't like that at all (laughs) oh my goodness freaking the scariest episode ever hello (laughs) should i tell this one last story
1: is it a delay with david politis one Mm -hmm. yeah
0: it's gonna be really long and it's gonna i'm not gonna tell it well because i'm gonna read it like from his book
1: okay are you
0: i'm not gonna read it word for word but i'm gonna do my best to like notify it in spoken form What this really means is that you just have to go and buy Mr. Politis' books. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Because there's a lot of stuff in here. So, the last person from his book that I will be mentioning is um, Mr. Kirk Stewart. Mr. Stewart also resides in Gasket, California. In a very similar area to where Mr. Carroll resides.
1: Okay.
0: Um, So, Mr. Stewart runs an organic ranch. Cool. (laughs) Um, And it's apparently a fairly remote ranch. It's a long drive to get there. How the story goes is Mr. Blitus, when he was like going through the town, he just asked a forest ranger if she knew anyone that he should maybe speak with. And she said, you should talk to Mr. Stewart. So he arrives at this farm and he's greeted by uh, Mr. Stewart's wife. Mrs. Stewart.
1: <laughs> she doesn't get a first name?
0: Mrs. Susan Stewart. Yes.
1: Thank you.
0: He apparently had been told by um, this ranger that the Stewart family had found Bigfoot tracks on a nearby ridgeline, and he just asked how far away it was, and Mrs. Stewart offered to take him there. Mr. is Mrs. Stewart, and the Stewart's child, <laughs> who is nameless. Okay. I believe. Yep, Susan's son is his name. Okay. So they all head up there. When they finally get there, there's a ridgeline with a ton of embedded footprints, which he has photos of.
1: Can I see them? Yes. Lines? Okay.
0: It's in grass.
1: And I it mean, is quite large. They always say footprints and then it's just like a blob. <laughs> Unless it's, like, in clay, it just Mm -hmm. kind of
0: doesn't really look like much. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That is big, though. It is big. As Mr. Politis says, they were probably 17 to 19 inches long, um, and he could not get his footprint to go nearly as deep as the other footprints in the grass. So once they get back to the house, Mr. Stewart is home now, um, and they just talk about, yeah, we just saw the tracks. Dope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <It's dope. laughs> i'm sure that they said that exactly <laughs> um and then mr stewart starts telling one of his first like his first story of the lot of stories that he tells which occurred in either 95 or 96 there is a place called crescent city in northern california the town is located below sea level apparently so it's like in a, a bit of a bog
1: <laughs> okay
0: <Interesting. laughs> um it's apparently quite a remote location, because he says that visitors and tourists will not ever see this portion of the town, and it's located about three miles inland from any of the major roadways.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Um. It's known for Bigfoot sightings and other animal sightings.
1: Just through, like, the downtown area? Yeah. <laughs> He's just walking. Oh, yeah. doing his daily shopping, buying a trench coat and a
0: hat. Maybe that's where he gets it. Maybe. <laughs> okay, so... They finally get to a house which appears to be very isolated.
1: Okay. More
0: isolated than anything else.
1: Is this Bigfoot's house? Do you
0: think? I want to think. <laughs>
1: it's the old lady who has a black white Literally. Me-
0: <laughs> this poor old lady lives in this isolated house miles away from anyone else. <laughs> oh, okay. He and his wife, the stewards, were living in this house in 95 or 96. (laughs) Okay. And one early morning in October, they were awoken by loud screams from the swamps nearby. And then they could also tell where the screams were coming from because they moved. Like, you know how you can hear when someone's close versus when they're far away and they scream? (laughs) They could hear that. (laughs) That's
1: scary. I know.
0: He has. I guess they had some neighbors close by because later on, Mr. Stewart talked to some neighbors, and everyone felt like it sounded like a woman was getting attacked, but the sound was too guttural to be human.
1: Isn't that what um, mountain lions sound like? Right. Yeah.
0: But it's too guttural. To be human. Yeah. Mountain lions sound like very much like females.
1: Ooh, that's so scary. I know. <laughs> Why do they do that? They need to come
0: Come on, nature. <laughs> After this conversation, Mr. Politis and Mr. Stewart walked a significant distance into the swamp, which is smart. Very. Do they have
1: crocodiles in
0: the swamp? I mean, they have to. It's California. Do
1: they have crocodiles in California? Do
0: they know <laughs> about this? They have crocodiles? Crocodiles. They have crocodiles in Florida. And Fornia and Florida sound very close. They're on opposite ends. They might be. I don't, I don't know how crocodiles live. I guess that was Mr. Seward's first encounter
1: that the he mentioned. The Screams in the Swamp?
0: Yeah. His next encounter occurred a few years earlier in
1: 1990.
0: Okay. Wait, <laughs> what? I only not this. This is not written chronologically. It's no, written it's... like how people tell it.
1: Okay. I mean, I guess. Like, you would start with like the least scary thing and then work your way up. I, actually, that makes sense. Okay. That makes sense. But also, the Screams in the Swamp reminds me of like Banshees.
0: Okay, when when I tell my last thing, I'll tie it in to that. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> in 1990, Mr. Stewart was hunting with his friend Mr. Blaine Jolly, whose name has been changed. So, so oh. it's not his real name.
1: Okay, cuz it sounds like a fake <laughs> name.
0: So, Mr. Stewart explained that he and Mr. Jolly had been old friends. And that Mr. Jolly is now a correctional officer at, oh, wow Pelican Bay State Prison.
1: I was like, I wonder if, like, he, like, came up with a fake name on the spot, because his friend is, like, super jolly. But then his friend is a correctional officer.
0: (laughs) The least jolly of them all.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's the least jolly profession you could get into. (laughs) Uh,
0: So, in October, they, the two of them decided to go to Sixiu Wilderness Area to hunt some deer. It was a warm day and cold at night. They were approximately five miles from the trailhead and were finding an area that they might spend the night. They walked a little while a little bit more to the top of a ridge line that surrounded a lake called El Captain Lake. And they heard water splashing at this lake. and they saw two figures standing about 200 yards below them in the water. They said that it appeared that these two figures were in about two feet of water facing each other on two feet. They were, I guess, close enough. It, how far away is 200 yards? Literally no idea.
1: I have no idea. I know.
0: <laughs> so it's close enough that um, they could see that they were dark in color, covered in hair, and splashing water on each other like children.
1: That's like so whole. I know, right?
0: <laughs> so they couldn't figure out what they were seeing because... It's, it's, they're I mean they're covered in hair so obviously they're not a human being but mm-hmm. um they were acting like human beings so they watched them for maybe five minutes or so until suddenly one of the creatures turned and looked directly at the men's location and saw them and then they both ran off
1: ew I don't okay I don't know how far 200 yards is but I, I'm like imagining that it's pretty far and me like, too and just, like
0: senses him right that's what i'm picturing as well it's like they have
1: like a sixth sense like i think that they have to
0: yeah like i mean if you think about everything like they have to yeah when the creatures ran off they apparently ran at such a speed that they looked like they were running on water it doesn't say what direction they ran but i'm assuming that okay so it says that the men could hear them running through bush in an area just below them so i'm assuming that that means that they ran like towards them which is worse. (laughs) I assume that they ran away from them, but I guess maybe not. Um, But then it's, I guess from the sounds, it showed that they were actually, they were still trying to get further away because they could still hear them running. It's scary. I don't know. So the two men had rifles at this time and decided to still walk to where they were going to set up camp, which was just downhill from the lake. Somehow they fell asleep quickly
1: how why just like
0: oh no okay between 11 p.m and 2 a.m they were awoken from something that ran through the middle of their campsite
1: i don't like how these creatures run away from them but also towards them and then run directly through <laughs> do you think do you think they were hiding in the bushes it's like i dare you i dare you just like run through there i hope so because <laughs> they're kids they're splashing water at each oh and they're on a date i
0: wouldn't do that on a date
1: i <laughs> would be like this date is over <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> i love that though to be honest
1: i mean it's like less terrifying than the other alternative as to why they're running through the camp while well well it's it's
0: really like the only it's the only explanation
1: <laughs> i don't know why they're doing it it makes me so uncomfortable other
0: than i dare you go scare them off yeah i dare right? you do it yeah, yeah. right I like that. That's less scary.
1: That's so freaky. Why would you do that? Just run right through the campsite? Oh, no. I hate it.
0: Oh, this is a fun fact. The footsteps were so heavy that the ground moved beneath them. (laughs) So it was close, presumably, is what that means. Mm -hmm. They both, you know, sat up and looked at each other and heard the loudest ear-piercing scream, which was not far away. So okay, apparently they didn't leave that night, but they didn't get much sleep.
1: (laughs) These people need like a proper tent.
0: They literally need a house. Take a tiny house, just lug it with you, and (laughs) just have it there. Just it's better.
1: That's literally what a camper trailer
0: is. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot about those. so after mr stewart got back home he found a recording of a bigfoot scream and decided that what he heard is identical to what the recording was so he determined now that he's heard a bigfoot scream this was the moment when i realized that i kind of needed to like note down the story Mm -hmm. so mr politus writes that originally mr stewart said there were only three bigfoot stories that he would say but then, once they had talked them all through, Mr. Stewart said that he actually had one more and that had always bothered him. This one's a good one. <laughs> okay, so, 1970s. Mr. Stewart was still in the Siskiyou wilderness, and I guess he, he was a very avid outdoorsman when he was younger, really wanted to explore, wasn't afraid of anything, so he just charged through, and he was alone on a game trail in a very isolated spot. Um, And at one point, he decided to just have a quick rest under a tree. Okay, so as he lays down, he eventually, you know, he's just, he's trying to relax, so he just looks around, and eventually he sees the largest pile of scat he's ever seen in his life. (laughs)
1: That is not where I thought that was
0: going. Me neither. That's why I was like, wait, let me read. (laughs) He, you know, noted a lot of things about the scat, but then he also noted that the tree was huge and that there were footprints everywhere.
1: Ew, that's horrifying. Could you imagine just, like, looking around and slowly realizing that you're no not kidding. where you need to be? Seriously? Like, the worst. Ew. <laughs> so he's, he's
0: pretty puzzled because, you know, there's, like, a pile of scat, like, attached to a tree, from what I'm understanding, and now there's, like, man footprints all over, and there's, like, no one else out there, and, like, what's going on? So yeah he realized that he he needs to um get out of there and um just like get away and you know stay safe
1: do you know what bigfoot poop looks like i'm sure it's not pleasant does it look like bear poop
0: i feel like it looks like human poop what does bear poop look like
1: different than human poop is it (laughs) yeah (laughs) like significantly have you seen bear poop feel
0: like i have actually wait no i've seen it once in my backyard and it literally looked like the poop emoji it was like just like a pot one <laughs> giant pile of like
1: that's impressive
0: wow it was weird
1: <laughs> how do you know it's bear poop
0: well because what else would come into my fenced backyard and like take a giant poop not a human it's way too big for a human <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the first steward story that I told you mm-hmm. where they went to this isolated spot and they found footprints pretty immediately? Yeah. So the ridge line that these footprints were found on, like it's a kind of a direct shot right to the Tyson mine where Mr. Carroll was.
1: Mm, okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So they're connected. It's obviously the same Bigfoot. Yeah, is what I'm saying. It has to be. Obviously, because you yeah. know, US Bigfoot are stagnant, so yeah, there's one in the Tyson Mines, people. Yeah. Be careful.
1: That's horrifying.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, in 2008, Mr. Politus reconnects with Mr. Stewart. I guess I really didn't need to tell you all of the other boring stuff because nothing happens until now. I'm sorry, it wasn't boring, it was kind of boring. F- I literally just told you that he like, got surprised by like scat on a treat. Like, that's yeah, but not it's exciting. kind of money?
1: <laughs> it reads some questions <laughs> to my mind. <laughs> Also, oh, so he's like suggesting that bigfoot screams like a human woman
0: honestly i don't really know what that is suggesting i don't know if he's trying to say that bigfoot was kidnapping a human woman or like a mountain lion that was screaming like a woman or if like bigfoot was just like screaming like a woman i really don't know
1: because i've never heard that before no me neither. like i've heard howls
0: and like growls yeah and moans
1: yeah like weird ones but not like a human like not like a person no. screaming
0: sometimes though it like bigfoots can imitate wolves but you can still tell that it's not a wolf
1: wolves are eerie the way that they howl <laughs> <I know>. oh spooky! <laughs> coyotes too coyotes i feel like are worse <laughs> yeah because they like yip and scream yeah How can
0: such a tiny thing make so much noise?
1: I often wonder.
0: Okay, so in May of 2008, Mr. Stewart, on his organic farm, he you know plants a lot of stuff, and this season he decided to plant honeydew melons. The way that he had grown them, apparently, is he grew them in oh he also grew cantaloupe for the record. Okay,
1: so he's growing honeydew.
0: Honeydew (laughs) melons and cantaloupe. Okay. Um, the way that he grew them is in six big tires. That were raised off the ground. And they were planted in three rows of six. And placed like a quarter mile away from his house. So like at the edge of his property. Because I guess he's got a lot of stuff too, you know, okay. to grow. I, I'm thinking that this means his whole property um, had seven foot tall deer netting around it. That was very supported. It's not a flimsy uh, railing. Okay. Not railing. Gate system. Fence. Fence! Thank you. Yes, (laughs) fence is the right word. Okay, so on the night of May 29th, or the afternoon of May 29th, um, his son and friends had a birthday party at the house. So it's going to be 3 or 4 p.m. when they heard a horrifying loud scream that came from the area of the melons. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously, oh no, it screamed three times. This sound was made three times in the area of the melons. That's
1: like scarier than just
0: once. <laughs> I know. I guess maybe it's kind of a town that people are like the very open up about Bigfoot. Because I guess some people at the party were like, oh, that was Bigfoot. Mr. Stewart also agreed. So we're going to fast forward to September of that year. These melons, man, they're growing strong. They're still trying. Um, and he still had to check on them and, you know, water them. But this was a dark day in September when he went to check on
1: melons. I know you're trying to make it scary, but then he to <laughs> saying melons, and it's our melons. Thing not ever. scary. <laughs> I imagine Bigfoot is like just behind the fence line, screaming because he can't get at the melons. He's, He's like, so like reaching through the fence,
0: like ah. Uh.
1: Aw, <laughs> oh, poor guy.
0: I know. That's <laughs> sad. <laughs> well, don't worry because he finally got to the melons. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Of all of his melons, they had all been taken out of these tires and were now lined in a perfectly straight line, and there were about 50 melons in all in one row.
1: Wait, okay, so is he implying that Bigfoot picked all his melons and placed them all in a line? Am I hearing that right? Yes. (laughs) That is correct. Actually,
0: not that you said it. Melons is really funny. (laughs) (laughs) wait there's more there's more (laughs) so when he got to the melons he realized that actually the center was gone something had eaten out the whole center of the melons like scooped it out of all 50 melons that were lined up in a straight row (laughs) which is just rude i i don't know how many melons he looked at but Oh, he must have looked at all of them because he found just really interesting features. One of the melons, he could see like a fingernail mark on the melon. So like when Bigfoot was like, sm- like you know, digging his hand in, he like somehow caught a nail on the outside. And you could see like the indentation of a, of a nail and not a claw, I guess.
1: Wild. Okay, so he just like picked it up and like scooped it out with his hands so he could get to the insides and like yeah. eat it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. When he was looking at the poor tires <laughs> that now had no melons, he noticed that there was a huge indentation where it kind of looks like maybe this creature rudely stole the melons and decided to use the tire as a seat while he ate the melons.
1: Like, how rude. So he could see, like, the imprint of Bigfoot's bottom? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty was, much. Was, <laughs> this guy's sitting on these tires. Well, he just
0: ate, like, 50 melons. Like, <laughs> it's probably pretty weighted, because melons are heavy.
1: <laughs> this
0: is, okay, wait, this is actually funny. The writing says, the process of elimination shows that the creature could have raided the melon patch. <laughs> Why did she put that in? Like, what?
1: Obviously. That's what
0: this whole story is about. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> oh dear goodness what the heck is going on here <laughs> oh oh okay now we're making connections now okay, okay so okay the melons they were hung up and the poles that they were on were approximately seven feet off the ground so only something tall could have gotten down these melons and tires
1: Okay, but how? How did he get them up there in the first place? <laughs> <Yes. list? laughs> Wait a minute. How? Also, how do melons grow? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't realize they grew in tires. This is I like didn't revolutionary. Know they grew on like. They grew on vines. But like on the ground,
0: right? But like if you just put dirt in a tire and like pressed it in, it's like a
1: planter box made of rubber. But why would he make it that ho- tall so he so can't that get the it? Deer
0: to... can't get it.
1: But that's or, like, what the bears. net is for. What about him? He can't get it either. I guess he could bring a little ladder with. Him. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so the thing was sitting on top of the tires? No, it's seven I, feet tall tires. I'm pretty
0: sure that the tire, like he had pulled the tire to the ground and just oh, was sitting on okay,
1: it. Okay, because I'm just like imagining Bigfoot just at the top swinging like a like tire put. swing. <laughs> was the fence broken at all?
0: Yes, the the fence had been pulled all to one side. Okay, and then only the, in, the insides were eaten. So, like us bigfoot doesn't like you know the hard outsides apparently oh okay so remember when he screamed in may yeah so he probably saw that there were melons there but that they weren't ready and he was angry that's why he was screaming and then he came back that seems like (laughs) like a little childish that's what the book says okay and we're only reading off of the book
1: (laughs) Didn't it say it exactly like that.
0: Yes, <laughs> remember the screams that were heard came from this exact area. But there weren't any melons to eat at
1: that point. That's what it says. Did he eat anything besides melons? Oh my god, he got into like the marijuana and he was like, I need to eat all these melons, and that's why they're all in a straight line. He got like weirdly paranoid afterwards, and he's like, Let me just like, just, just like this isn't mine.
0: I need to. <laughs> <laughs> the melons was just the kicker. It all starts there, and then it gets worse. Shortly after this, on the opposite side of the melons, there were 15 peacocks. Organic peacocks. the bird? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What else would it be?
1: (laughs) Why? I don't know. Okay, I'm imagining this guy lives in the middle of nowhere. He does. He does (laughs) live in the middle of nowhere. It's apparently a
0: 15-minute drive off of like an isolated road to get to his place. <laughs> I
1: don't know.
0: Okay, we'll question it. <laughs> <laughs> Their pen was very sturdy. There was a six-foot-high fence held up by the same thick posts that were used around the melon patch. It was successful in keeping out all other signs of wildlife, like mountain lions and bears and anything else.
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna judge him, but I will say that he gave his plants seven feet tall fencing. Honestly, and his true six feet tall fencing. That's kind of. So
0: sheesh okay this is really sad but 10 birds were missing when he went to check on the pen it doesn't say exactly like what happened there was just like 10 birds gone and like a lot of feathers
1: okay like
0: you know when you're having when the birds are having a kerfuffle they like lose lots of feathers Mm -hmm. yeah apparently there were no signs that any damage like that nothing had gotten in necessarily like you know ripped open the side to get in But more like something came over the top of the pen and took the birds out through the top.
1: Oh, that's interesting because he like moved the fence for the crops.
0: Because it was seven feet tall and the bird's pen was six feet tall. (laughs) I think this is what we discovered. You need (laughs) need mandatory seven foot tall fences.
1: That extra foot. It makes a difference. It really does. (laughs) Wait, so he just like theoretically jumped the fence and then threw the birds over the other side something like that how big is he that he could carry five peacocks under (laughs) one arm and the other five (laughs) under the other maybe they brought more like more more big feats because
0: now that they've discovered the melons and this is after they're like hey guys this food's here
1: (laughs) he was just sitting there eating the melons like plotting how he was gonna get to the birds honestly that
0: makes sense there had to be multiple so that they could launch the other over the fence
1: yeah So, he stole ten birds.
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh, He did leave him with... Both cases when Bigfoot took something, he did still leave Mr. Stewart with things. Like, he didn't steal all the melons. He didn't take all the birds.
1: Okay. Was it exactly 50 melons? Because that's wild. Apparently.
0: It was exactly 50 melons, and he left about 60 melons.
1: That's nice of him.
0: Mr. Stewart was really upset by the taking of his peacocks
1: mm-hmm.
0: which makes sense i would be upset too yeah he was also really unsettled because of how difficult it would have been to get over top of the netting to find out that they didn't break open the cage or anything he really searched every inch of that pen and he actually found that quote unquote attached to the bottom of the netting where the creature had placed its foot there were actually um a clump of hair there was a clump of hair found <clears throat> bigfoot hair yeah so he said that they had to be bigfoot hairs because of their texture they are also um very curly like pubic hair is how this says
1: okay but also like they had to be bigfoot hairs because of their texture <laughs> there's nothing else that can be. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> how is bigfoot hair textured differently than like bear hair? i don't
0: know I, I i don't know because it's finer than bear hair
1: but thicker than ours
0: I guess so. And curly. It also had a reddish tint. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like we kind of mentioned before, Mr. Stewart made the connection that he was left with stuff at both times. Like, he was left with more than half of the melons that were eaten. And while the birds were not, like, eaten on his property, feathers were removed partially in the pen, apparently. Because there was a ton of feathers. Okay. So, the um, hair sample was sent to a laboratory that NABS trusts, I guess. Okay. It's not common that it ever comes back as anything that's unidentifiable. And the first time that they, the, the um, lab reported back on this hair, they couldn't extract DNA because the hair was either synthetic or treated with dye. Like artificial dye. Oh. Which is weird. So Bigfoot's really, like really copying people now. <laughs> He's even gone so far as to dye his hair. <laughs>
1: Okay, I feel like if this guy had just like grabbed a piece of hair from like a wig or something, he wouldn't have given it to David Politis to be tested.
0: I mean, right? Yeah, that just doesn't make sense.
1: I don't know.
0: I don't know. That's weird. So there's another case in the pretty much the same area where another man submitted a hair sample, and it also came back that it was not able to be identified as DNA because, or they couldn't identify the DNA because it was artificially died which mr politus knew about and connected the two
1: that's so weird isn't do you it you think it's something to do with like possibly if they're supernatural like maybe i think so yeah, like bleaching or something from the radiation that like it comes with being supernatural.
0: Well, yeah, when they turn into orbs. <laughs> yeah.
1: Wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yes.
0: I'm sure that there's something to do with it. Okay. That like our, our medical equipment just like doesn't get because it's based on us right now and like what we have, you yeah. know, we what we have is entered to a database. So like, yeah. that's when, how that works.
1: When people say life as we know it, what about life as we don't know it?
0: Profound. Wow. <laughs> That's wild. I know. It gets more wild.
1: Oh, it's still, okay. It's still going. Okay.
0: I'm sorry. So the lab, apparently, according to this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they are more of like a unbiased lab. So if there's something out there that they don't know about, they want to know about it. They don't really have any feelings towards Bigfoot particularly. Okay. <clears throat> but like they're, because there's like proof that he exists, you know, they're open to finding him. Okay. Okay. They, I guess, eventually forwarded it to one of their experts. Um, And this expert stated that it was a real hair and classified it as being from an unknown primate, specifically because of how the hair looks under a microscope. Okay. Yes. So, following this, they actually resubmitted the hair for DNA testing again. And on December 19th, 2008, a letter was sent to Mr. Dave Politis. Like, it's literally in the book, by the way. Okay. (laughs) So it's a very official-looking letter. It says in here, the hair was primate in in origin, and that no other species of animal resembled the microscopic appearance of the unknown hair other than primates. Wow. It's a real hair from an animal. It's an unidentified hair of a primate officially that's so spooky and again this is in the same in the same area as mr carroll's yeah so they both saw bigfoot
1: yeah and (laughs) you said that there was another one too that had hair evidence yes so from
0: a couple like 30 years earlier not 30 years earlier just a few years earlier
1: that's so wild i
0: know okay wow that was long i'm sorry thank
1: you for that story though
0: we needed to you needed to know about it
1: i did i did actually and you have one more right i do okay i have one more so i will tell that i'm ready have you ever heard of the ape men of mount saint helens
0: i have heard of mount saint helens it erupted yeah
1: my mom has
0: a emerald from mount saint helens they have emeralds there well because when it erupts i guess the pressure that it creates and like the heat it just creates emeralds
1: that's magical i
0: know wow
1: okay it's cool On Mount St. Helens in Washington, there is a gorge that has earned the name of Ape Canyon due to the legends of supposed Bigfoot in the area. There is, like, evidence of these creatures before the specific story I'm going to get into, and evidence comes in the form of large footprints, whistling, and booming sounds. Booming sounds? Yeah. Are they, like, jumping up and down? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so in July of 1942, Fred Beck led a group of four other men, four other prospectors, on a prospecting trip into this area. And they ended up encountering four of these ape-like creatures near Ooh. their cabin that they had built. They described them as seven feet tall, 400 pounds, with long dark hair and four toes. They also four said toes. What? Is,
0: what is going on here?
1: They had four-inch-long ears that stood straight up
0: like dogs
1: i guess so ew
0: i don't think i like that no
1: i've never that makes it less human
0: like -hmm. Like,
1: almost like feline
0: ew Ew. literally feline what is going on oh my my gosh gosh. oh my goodness this is ridiculous okay
1: (laughs) so these creatures were kind of passing by and they ended up shooting at them but they missed and the creatures ran off Rude. I mean, I don't know what I would do if I saw a creature walking through the woods with, like, pointy ears. That makes it, like, almost seem like a jackal of some kind.
0: Well, I mean, if you stumble across anything in the forest, I think that I would just assume that it's, like, a scary thing. And just, like, I would want to not be noticed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, at this point, it started getting dark, so they decided to stay one more night because they didn't want to pack up and leave at night. Ah. So, they returned to their cabin... And they were woken in the middle of the night by large stones hitting the walls and the roof. It gets a little scary when the rocks start breaking through the roof. Oh! And one of them supposedly hit Fred, oh, Fred no. back, and knocked him out for a couple of hours, according to some reports. And some of them just say that that didn't happen. So it's like oh, you know,
0: okay, okay,
1: yeah. We don't know exactly what happened, but the creatures started coming in through the holes that were created yeah. by the rocks that they were throwing. <laughs> oh no! And the men were like shooting at them trying to like drive them off because like they're being like swarmed by these like weird eared creatures and they had only seen a few of them but it sounded to them like there were a lot more surrounding Mm. the cabin and at one point a creature was able to reach in and grab an axe on the wall but he was shot before he could actually take it out
0: good gracious isn't
1: that scary how
0: terrifying oh my goodness
1: So this, like, goes on pretty much all night. They're, like, shooting at them, and these creatures are trying to get in and, like, swarming them. Then the sun came up, and the creatures ran off. Isn't that scary? Ew!
0: Like, literal nocturnal... nocturnal things. Yeah.
1: So the sun coming up kind of drove the creatures off. So the men went outside, and one creature stood near the cliff that was, like, by their cabin, and Fred Beck shot three times. This creature fell over the cliff, and, like, presumably landed at the bottom of the canyon. But when Fred went back with a couple of rangers, they didn't find the body of the creature that he had shot, so we don't know if he killed it or not. They did see the boulders that were thrown, not just the rocks, the, the boulders, boulders that were thrown at them. Well, oh um, And they saw the 14-inch large footprints that were left behind. Unfortunately, the rangers were still skeptical and didn't fully believe what had happened. Well, how do you explain the boulders? i think they tried to explain it away by saying that it was a group of teenagers which is horrifying could you imagine seeing like this like creature reach in and grab an axe while you're like shooting at it and like and the rangers like "Eh, teenagers yeah yeah years later in may 1950 a man named jim carter mysteriously went missing in this area so jim was 32 and he was part of a 20-person climbing slash skiing group And on the way down the mountain, he decided to ski a bit away from the group to take a picture of all of them. And he was very experienced, nobody tried to stop him, like he knew what he was doing. Until they got back down to the end, to the bottom of the mountain and realized that he hadn't caught up with them. When searchers later went to try to find him, they could tell that he had taken a really super risky route down uh, the
0: mountain. Oh, no.
1: He was, like, jumping over things and jumping under things, and, like, no one in their right mind would do that, even someone as experienced as him. He jumped over, like, large crevices and seemed to be speeding down canyons as if he was being chased before the tracks kind of faded into the wilderness. Oh. Uh. And gracious. the only sign of him they ever found was a discarded film box. Oh my gosh! This
0: one is really scary! I don't like when we scare ourselves. Also, what was in his discarded film box? No film? I don't think so. Okay, well I'm really, really sorry
1: mm-hmm.
0: that this is going to happen now.
1: Are you going to tell me something really scary?
0: <sighs> yeah. I don't know why I wanted to write my notes to like scare, make it scarier.
1: I'm excited <laughs> and nervous but I'm looking
0: forward to this. okay. I also see that I forgot like one part that I should have mentioned.
1: Mm.
0: So with David Politis, it's not a story. It's just something that he noted in his book. Bigfoots are also called ridge walkers by certain Aboriginal communities, which makes sense because they tend to stay on ridgetops because great vantage point. If you're trying to make sound to like call out to someone, you know, that's where you're going to make the most sound. Okay. When you're on top, you're kind of like top dog. You know, no one can sneak up on you because you're on the top. And also, if you see something that you want to go after, like, you're on the top. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot easier for you to run downhill. Mm-hmm. After he was told this by the Yurok tribe, he decided to look more into specifically the Bluff Creek region. Mm-hmm. So the roads that they built there were pretty much... They really tried to stay on the ridge tops. And the crews that were working made many reports that would I don't know what they would do <laughs> but they would do something and then they'd leave for the night like they'd either smooth out the road I'm assuming that they didn't like pour like stuff on the road mm-hmm. and then like let it harden I'm assuming that didn't happen but when they came back the, mo- the next morning there would be footprints in the road so like there's concrete? like I don't know if it was like concrete or if they just like smoothed over the like dirt so oh. that they could pour concrete like I'm not sure yeah. at what stage or if it's at both stages okay. but there's a ton of reports of footprints okay. on both that ridge top and on the opposite side of bluff creek blue mountain creek blue creek mountain <laughs> okay <Cool. laughs> now i'm going to do a slight recap because that's how i did my notes because i don't know why that makes sense we're gonna just recap what we've learned about bigfoot so far they are very tall they're very hairy they're quiet unless they want to be loud they're very smart they're pretty much always stinky Usually, Um, and they're a predator. But that being said, more often than not, humans are not their prey. We're kind of like equal on the food chain. Mm. This information is taken directly from E-R-M-A-K-U-A-G-U-S dot com. So we're gonna go back to Russia, okay, with the D I love pass. me too i even know what i'm gonna say (laughs) because we're in russia we are switching from bigfoot to their cousin well the site said it was the yeti but i have that as the himalayas if you don't know what happened at the atlov pass go back and listen to it it's one of our best we did it we got so spooked. We spooked ourselves. It was the I mean, spookiest. the story spooks. The story is spooks, but we made it worse for mm-hmm. ourselves. So, quick recap nine highly trained people went on an advanced hike. They started out with 10, but then one turned back sick partway through. In that area that they hiked, there's people that are called the Mansi people, and in their culture, they have something called the Menkvi, which is believed to be a violent human like animal that stinks. To be, like, even more specific, because this culture is interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's believed, they believe, that because these things were so violent and just terrible, they were punished by the gods by a flood. So a lot of them passed on because they, you know, it's a flood. Um, But some of them survived because they were able to get to the top of the mountains. It's also said that I don't know if this is, like, part of this, like, curse that was put on them, but when they pass, they're reborn. So they can never, like, rest. Oh. Yeah. Quick fact. The Love group ended up setting up camp in the, like, in the middle of a mountain face. So they were trekking along the side of a mountain, but they couldn't make it to the other side where the forest was for some reason. They just, like, stopped halfway through and set up their tent. It was cold and windy.
1: And this was in the 1950s thank you if that matters to anyone. it does always matter like to know the dates.
0: honestly I don't I have no concept of time but same <laughs> <laughs> so it's odd that even though they were so experienced when you set up tent like nearby a forest the heat from the forest like kind of keeps you a little bit warmer and like covers you from the wind that's happening
1: yeah it breaks the wind
0: yeah but when you set up in the like with nothing else around you like you're gonna be like
1: cold yeah
0: freaking cold so, when the search party found their tent, they only had one log, and the um, furnace hadn't even really, like, it wasn't used. They never turned it on. Right. If they even built it fully in the first place. Okay. Yes. So, these experienced people, why would they set up tent on the face of a mountain with one log and never even set up the furnace?
1: hmm
0: Like, one log is not going to be enough to keep them warm throughout the whole night. No. Just bear with me with this. Okay. According to this website, there were many cuts made in the tent from the inside, which we knew. There were many small cuts in the tent all around, like lookout points. Like they were looking out of the tent. And then, then later, they cut open the side so they could escape.
1: I am horrified.
0: So, (laughs) the, um, the theory here is... Also, in um, Dyatlov's diary, like, the day before they got to this place, he mentioned something about, like, I didn't write it down, but, like, why would you set up camp on the face of a mountain? Like, it doesn't seem very nice.
1: Dyatlov is the leader of the group.
0: Yes, thank you. And then, yet later, that's exactly what he did with his group. So, if on their way, while they're trekking, they suddenly start to, like, get that, like, spiky hair feeling. Mm And then they, they really start to get freaked out and just decide, okay, well, the best thing for us to do is to be on offense, or defense, or offense, or both. We're going to just do both. <laughs> we're going to tent up, and then we're going to poke holes so that we can still see through the outside. So we're kind of sheltered from the wind, but... Ooh, my voice trebled. <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of sheltered from the wind, but we can also like see out, and there's nothing that we're not going to be able to see because... There's no trees around us. And we're also not going to turn on our furnace or set up our furnace and start burning logs because, well, smoke. And now we're going to be, like, noticeable. Yeah. Something's going to see us. Yeah. And it was heavily snowing yeah. this night as well. What if they did all this stuff and they were really, you know, they're in their tent and they poked the holes and now through the snow, they see a figure coming towards them through one of the poked holes And they decide to run the other way and they have to just get out. So they, you know, they cut through and they can't take anything with them, any supplies or enough clothes. (laughs) And we talked about this before. So like of the important things that you would take when you're leaving your tent in a hurry, Mm -hmm. Zolotarev took his camera.
1: Mm.
0: Why? Okay, so I think we've seen these before. But when I, (laughs) after looking at this and then like, 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 hearing this again, I was, like, totally spooked. I don't know if it's on the camera that he took with him or a different camera, because there's different... Like, this site makes it sound like the camera that he took with him had these photos, but the camera that he took with him, according to the official report, was damaged, and the film was never found. Okay. When the research... Like, when the searchers got there, the film was missing. So, unless this is the missing film. Like, I don't know. So there's four photos. The last four photos ever taken on whatever film this is.
1: Okay. This is
0: the first one. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Okay. <laughs> kind of nothing.
1: It looks like um somebody's just like fallen over and they're taking a picture of their feet.
0: Right? It does. And, and like, then there's like maybe more feet pictures. That sounds weird.
1: It looks like someone's buried in snow.
0: Well like maybe he fell down and like was still accidentally taking like feet pics. This is the third one. No,
1: I don't want to see it. It's just so foot
0: it gets spookier. So it kind of yeah, looks nice. like something's going away, but like really close. It's so like another person. But then...
1: That's so spooky. That's a Bigfoot photo. Oh, like that right there is a Bigfoot photo. That's not a person wearing no, a dark outfit.
0: So the website also says that the last photo depicts something big coming back towards the person taking the photograph. And that... Your hands are shaking. I'm really scared. This is really freaking scary. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that none of the members in the group so like they had people that knew the group look at these photos Mm -hmm. and that everyone said they had no clothes that would have resembled these anything that looked like this because
1: it doesn't look like they're look. it just looks like a figure a black figure
0: like a slim figure
1: it's a really scary story thank you for bringing it up again though i'm not horrified right now
0: at all i'm sure you're not Um, I just, you know what, it needed to be done because I'd never seen it put quite like this. I'm not saying that that's what happened. No. But because we're talking about Bigfoot, like, this is, like, pertinent. Yeah. (laughs) For this exact moment in time. So, Bigfoot maybe isn't, like, the worst, but, like, his cousin is, like, not very very nice. Yeah. Not very nice. The site, um, for the record, the site also says that, like, some people just passed because they couldn't survive any longer yeah being like in the cold exposure. exactly yeah. if you were putting anything to the yeti theory it's not that the yeti just like m- you know hurt them hurt them all yeah he definitely hurt some of them
1: yeah
0: if in this theory yeah and caused all of them to evacuate the tent yeah. and leave it beyond repair yeah terribly spooky
1: that is so spooky Ugh. i don't think i've seen those photos before like i've seen the one See? But i don't think i've seen the other one
0: that's what i thought too because mm-hmm. i was like oh i've i remember being spooked at all the photos because there's the mushroom photo from there
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> which i don't know what that's about
1: <laughs> oh my gosh
0: isn't that awful
1: <laughs> that was the scariest thing ever
0: i kind of i don't know why i shared that but
1: I mean, it was one of our best episodes. Go back and listen to it.
0: Actually, it was. I enjoyed that episode.
1: Wow, you had some really good stories tonight. Thank you. Thank you. That was really awesome. We have more to talk about. But that's the end of our story segment. Heck yeah. So maybe we should start with arguments against the existence.
0: Let's do it.
1: So some people argue that Bigfoot cannot exist because he must or they must have a breeding population like they argue the same with the Nessie which would require a megalodon by the way oh yeah it would require a large enough population and habitat with enough food mm-hmm. and resources so they argue that it would need to be like there would need to be a bunch and it would be need to be like a large enough area with enough food.
0: Why is that not a thing that is like possible? I don't understand what their point is.
1: Cuz the concern is that there would need to be like more evidence. We would know for sure that they existed. If they exist to the point that, you know, Okay. Do.
0: Well, you know what? They are just still finding new species of animals. So that they didn't know existed before.
1: Right? <laughs> it's also possible that Bigfoot is just like one or like a very few amount of creatures. and that they're like just like immortal or like really long living
0: like goldfish jellyfish well jellyfish aren't really alive they come from like a plant i still don't understand how jellyfish work either they (laughs) like are like a spore like a mushroom
1: yeah but they're alive like they're somehow i don't understand i don't know why Um, was
0: i saying that oh because goldfish live really 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 long i didn't know that is it goldfish or is it turtles
1: I mean, turtles live a long time, too.
0: But, like, there's... Oh, no, it's lobsters. I don't know what it is. There's one species that, like, scientifically will never die because they just keep regenerating. It's
1: a jellyfish.
0: Well, no. There's, like... (laughs) There's an actual live thing that's alive that will never die. That's alive.
1: Jellyfish are
0: alive, but it has, like, a heart and a brain. Weird. I don't know what it is.
1: Is it a sea slug? (laughs)
0: <laughs> i hope sea slugs live long <laughs>
1: um there's also like the fact that they've never found a skeleton
0: that's true
1: yeah possibly bigfoot might be the kind of creature to bury it's dead. we'll see that's kind of what i was thinking because aren't there other
0: animals that bury their dead like elephants
1: <laughs> elephants mourn their dead they just bury them a little they can't <laughs> dig though they don't have hands
0: well but they, they stomp hard enough yeah okay <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like these are facts, but now I just am lost. I don't know anymore. Other species, in addition to humans, that the practice of burying their dead has been observed is chimpanzees and and (laughs) chimpanzees and elephants. Oh. And possibly dogs. It is elephants. It is. (laughs) Okay. Please Um, continue.
1: (laughs) Okay. No true believer would ever hoax this, but like some people do hoax this, you know. True. Some
0: people are just horrible people.
1: Yeah. And also, that's so dangerous. Do not hoax this. You will get
0: shot. Also, like, maybe also don't go out, like, bigfooting because you will probably also get shot if you do that. There are also some really, like, not very nice people that, like, will hoax it specifically so they can boast about the fact that they hosted it. Hoaxed it. Yeah. And be like, huh, see, it's not real because they faked the system.
1: Yeah. We don't like those people either.
0: Why do you, why? Don't like that. Please stop
1: okay let's talk about bigfoot as an animal
0: heck yeah there's real evidence yeah just a very quick thing about bigfoot being an animal it's often said that um bigfoot don't seem to notice humans if there are horses nearby but horses don't like bigfoot because they're like scared of them because bigfoot recognizes a horse's smell as an animal does that mean that bigfoot would also be an animal just in that case this is like a bigger point, but I really don't have yeah. the, the tools to make it a bigger point. It's just, if you are riding on a horse, if you're Bigfoot hunting on a horse, you're probably more likely to see him.
1: Because he like doesn't recognize the humans, right?
0: Like the horse, I guess, sounds and scents cover up the human sounds and sense.
1: Yeah, which is why Patty wasn't concerned about Patterson and Gimlin until, until the, horse the horse left. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I guess that's true, until they got off the horse. Yeah. And then the horse left, and then she really was, like...
1: Yeah, so, like, Bigfoot might recognize humans as different than animals, and that makes it a predator, because essentially we
0: are... Because all of the other animals are prey.
1: Yeah. Ew. But, like, we're close enough to it.
0: Yeah.
1: And we carry these, like, metal things that can hurt it. That do bad things. Yeah. Some people believe that Bigfoot could be a gigantopithecus... Which went extinct 300,000 years ago. But hmm. what if it never went extinct? What if it's still around and has just been reclassified as Bigfoot? I believe that that's possible. They're similar in appearance, large, up to 12 feet tall, ape-like, and hairy. And it's believed that they were herbivores and lived mostly in caves. <gasps> so how could it live that long? That's a concern. So some people say maybe it could have been encased in ice. And then frozen and then like like some frogs do, mm-hmm. freeze and then you come back to life. There
0: is at least one case of a girl being accidentally frozen in ice, but she only was frozen for like twelve minutes. Yeah. And then she still lived afterwards. But yeah. she was dead.
1: Yeah, like her heart stopped. Yeah. Yeah, it and does then, it's possible.
0: I think so too.
1: Yeah. It could be. Like if they were like flash frozen, like it was suddenly like dropped down to like freezing temperatures True. and then they were Yeah. True. It's possible.
0: I mean crocodiles can do that. They, like, stick their nose out of the ice and then they keep living.
1: That's so wild. It could have also perhaps teleported from the past or traveled interdimensionally. Maybe that's what the orbs are. It's, like, going... It's them
0: traveling. Yeah, in and out. (gasps) Oh. (laughs) Okay, well, that's spooky.
1: Do you have, like, an idea of how the orbs could be related to them?
0: So, I think that, like, because it happens so often that like, if an orb is spotted, it's likely that there's going to be a Bigfoot encounter reported in the same area in the next, either that night or in the next coming nights. Like, they just often seem to be really interconnected. Yeah. So I think that the idea is that kind of, like, because Bigfoot is somehow just is has all these powers, that mm-hmm. it can turn into a ball of light, and that's how it zaps places and travels. And that, you know how, like... In Avatar.
1: (laughs) Avatar The Last Airbender? Yes, in
0: Avatar The Last Airbender. Okay. So when Aang goes into, like, the Avatar state, Mm -hmm. he, like, travels out of his body. Okay. No one can really see him except for certain people. All right. That are, uh, like, aware of the spiritual realm.
1: Okay. So
0: it could also be that, like, when a Bigfoot decides that it's time to, like be spiritual and it just becomes one with its spirit then it turns into this ball of pure light because it's pure
1: okay cool i've never <laughs> Does heard any that of that makes before. sense that's wild <laughs>
0: um what if in that one case where Mister Hell Heckles, Mister Hester, thank you, okay. was working with his, you know, out in the forest and they were burning stuff, and then they saw the orb, but it looked like it was shining directly down, like it was searching for something. Yeah. What if it was searching for its body to return?
1: Oh.
0: Or like a portal so that it could return back to this timeline.
1: That's wild. I don't know what that makes sense. That's spooky.
0: We're just talking out loud. Yeah, we are.
1: This is just theories <laughs> and speculation. This is, this is not um, scripted. <laughs> <laughs> to talk more about Bigfoot as a supernatural being, and also to play off of the orb thing, they did see orbs in the sky with the Love Pass group. That is so scary. Mm-hmm. Seen the theory in a few places that they can use infrasound to, like, mess with humans <gasps> around them. Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah. So, okay. like... When you get that, like, intense fear that some people report, that's the infrasound. That's what it's doing to you, which the Dyatlov Pass group <laughs> might have experienced. Yeah,
0: there is a theory that they experienced that.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's not
0: good. No. So now we have more factors for the Dyatlov Pass theory. Okay, yeah, and well, it's that's horrifying.
1: Fun. <laughs> All right, this is fun. There is a theory that perhaps it's a ghost of an ancient ape like Gigantopithecus. <gasps> oh, oh! And that is why it messes with electronics and it explains the lack of evidence on how it like disappears into thin air because it's a ghost and that's what ghosts do. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the like the orb thing, that like reminded me of a UFO. So like maybe yes. it's like looking for, maybe, maybe Bigfoot is an alien like Chewbacca.
0: I mean, it kind of has to be.
1: Yeah, I think it might be.
0: I feel like everything is connected. Praying mantis are from the alien race. Mm
1: -hmm. Also, also there is a theory that Bigfoot could be part of the fae. That he could be a fairy. That's scary. Yeah. (laughs) I love when we rhyme things. (laughs) And my Mm. absolute favorite theory ever is that Bigfoot, you know how everything... Every, like, video and picture of Bigfoot is just blurry? Yes. Maybe Bigfoot is just blurry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I actually love that. That is amazing.
1: (laughs) I saw this theory. I stumbled across it while I was scrolling through the Reddit of Bigfoot, and it blew my mind because I've never heard this before, but it makes a lot of sense. Okay. And it is Bigfoot as a government cover-up.
0: There's this one guy, again, like, for real... Like, read David Politis' book. I cannot go into all of the details of this case. That's why I didn't include it. Because this story in this book could literally be an episode in itself. What's his name? Greg Fork.
1: Okay. Sounds fake. It's a fake
0: name. <laughs> well, it sounds like a fake name. <laughs> but it's apparently his real name. Okay. Um, maybe just to, like, paraphrase it, Mr. Greg Fork, he works as a Forest Service police officer in the Yola Bali Ranger District. That's a fake place. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he was a forest ranger, and I I'm not gonna really really go into depth with this, but he grew up in Willow Creek, the Bigfoot capital, and so he kind of like I'm assuming that means he knew a lot. One of the people that he worked with was named Tom Will Hoyt. Tom is weird because he drives a NASA truck. into bluff and willow creek but he works as a forest ranger oh so why would he have a nasa vehicle
1: okay Because why is an alien but also it's being covered up by the government
0: yes Mm -hmm. so john green and mr politis talked about this because it's weird
1: it is really weird especially
0: yes the nasa thing and the patterson gimlin film yeah there's documents because there's the freedom of information act regarding nasa so there's documents that like talk about it but it's like why does nasa have anything to do with bigfoot
1: so one of the arguments used against patty specifically being Mm. real is the fact that i'm going to try to say this as politely as possible um
0: is it to do with the bosoms
1: it's to do with the bosoms (laughs) okay see that's a polite way to say it yeah so the bosoms (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's <laughs> not an easy way to say it
1: <laughs> i feel like an old lady um the bosoms have hair on them they are covered fully <laughs> in hair they are and when you look at other primates they don't have hair there because the purpose uh, of the bosom is is to feed mm, a baby oh interesting yes so Some people use that to discredit Patty and say that it was a suit, but I'm going to propose that perhaps Patty is an alien and that is just the way that that alien species is formed.
0: Because they don't breastfeed. Yeah. That makes
1: sense. Yeah. But it could also be that she could like shed her hair in that specific area.
0: Oh, kind of like how, you know, like human bodies change when pregnancy happens. Like they're hairy until pregnancy happens and then they shed would make sense yeah that would make sense
1: i'm going to use it as proof that patty is an alien creature who lives use in County, and is being studied by nasa and covered up by the government it
0: kind of seems like it okay for real i love that so again please check out this story because oh my gosh it's like a lot
1: okay so does david politis believe that bigfoot are aliens is that what he's implying here
0: he never really says. No, he doesn't. I don't think.
1: He's very secretive of what he actually believes. It's really interesting. I don't I don't
0: really understand mm. his perspective, but I'm assuming, maybe not. Okay. I don't know. I think he he just recognizes that that information also has to be documented.
1: Okay. Interesting. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Right? Okay. Um to get more into the Bigfoot police cover-up, perhaps Bigfoot is an experiment
0: gone wrong gone
1: wrong oh no like an animal or human hybrid that escaped the lab or something oh no oh dear okay it could also be an alien or inter- interdimensional being that they're still studying that somehow escaped oh no
0: no no just that they're studying yeah that's not that they ever had it I see, like I see a
1: species of alien that they're not sure about if Bigfoot as a whole were revealed to be real, it would raise a lot of questions with laws, human, animal rights, conservation, mm, religion, and science. Like, it would turn it the would, whole world Actually, on head. that's a really good point. Which is also something that I never thought about until I was scrolling through the Reddit. But Me neither. if you take into account that this is like a human like creature, you need to like what figure rights out does it what deserve? rights it has, how much, like, should it be protected. Also, it raises questions probably, like, lots of religious people would be like, this proves something or doesn't prove something, you know? True. The science would be... Sci- the scientific community would be... In shambles. Literally. Yeah. Um, it would also raise a lot of questions with laws. Hunting laws. Hunting laws, yeah. Like, is it a creature that you can hunt or is it not? I would argue no, because I don't think that you're allowed to hunt monkeys either. But also... All of these things are taken into account if Bigfoot is proven to be an animal. If it's proven to be something more than an animal, like an oh, alien no. or something like that, what does that mean? Well, obviously, if it turns out to be an alien, then we're going to get into a war
0: because the government will shoot on site.
1: But also, the, if they already know about it and they're studying it and trying True. to like figure out how to keep it hidden until they can like classify it. There's a theory that the logging industry as a whole, in general, knows of its existence. Because, like, so many loggers and stuff, and, like, outdoors people...
0: Forest people...
1: Yeah, they believe in it, and they've seen it, and they've seen, like, strong evidence of it. But they don't want its habitat, which theoretically would be, like, so huge and expansive, it would Mm. cover, like, the entire Rocky Mountains. True. Um, (laughs) They don't want its habitat to become protected, as they won't be able to log in that area anymore. Oh, I've never thought about that. Or maybe they're already being protected. Because imagine how many people would go out and try to kill one of these things if they were confirmed to be real. True. People are crazy. Honestly. Some people would do that.
0: Literally just for, like, trophy Yeah, trophy hunting.
1: Especially if they have done enough research and it's been proven that it's a keystone species. Whoa. I didn't know what that meant until I, like, researched it. But a keystone species... Uh, you obviously already know. I didn't know this.
0: See, yeah, I know that it's really important, but, like, yeah. the the actual words, I don't exactly know. But is it, like, if it's if it's removed, then the rest of the ecosystem is going to fall
1: apart? Essentially. Okay. Yeah, basically. That's terrifying. Yeah. Wow. That is why we can't, like, get rid of mosquitoes and stuff, because if we get rid of... Or, like, <laughs> the bees. I think bees we are keystone species.
0: Yes, they are.
1: Yeah. So, if something like that goes extinct, then everything is going to be... Ruined. Ruined. Like, if they are the ones keeping in check the population of predator animals versus prey animals, we can't have the predator population get too high or else we'll lose all the prey animals. True. Yeah. That's, like, intense. Okay. My last theory. Yes. Maybe the Bigfoots are in charge of the world and the government.
0: Whoa. (laughs) You didn't sound super convinced about that, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bigfoot are the Illuminati they are the leaders and that is why we cannot know that they exist
0: whoa i can't even digest that information okay hang on a second okay so bigfoots rule the world
1: (laughs) they are supernaturally intelligent as we've discussed
0: is it like they've they've always been in charge and that's why the humans so like that's why governments have always followed them because they've always been in charge
1: yeah, or perhaps they were aliens that came to Earth, and they were like, let some of us to live here.
0: Or were we they like, it. you will, yeah. telepathically, but, oh, yeah. like, but like, like mind-controlling. Yeah,
1: because they can use infrasound to like mess with you. Heck yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, like, no, but yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Bigfoot is the government.
0: Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. This is not a fact.
1: This is why it's found in all corners of the world. That actually makes sense. i mean it's like and i think
0: anything can make sense if you try hard enough but
1: (laughs) if we've been talking for like almost five hours yeah, (laughs) it could make sense Wow, that was like a really fun episode i had a great time thank you this was actually
0: i learned a lot me too i talked a lot thank you for your awesome (laughs) stories they were so literally mr david politis mvp he came through for real yeah get his books i'm not we're not sponsored i just i was like thoroughly impressed
1: yeah that's so cool i'm glad you were able to get because they're hard to get your hands on they're like impossible mm-hmm. but if, if you can find one like get it <laughs> yeah that was awesome thank you so much for listening i hope thank that you enjoyed you. it
0: we really appreciate you mm-hmm.
1: if you would like to follow us we are on pretty much everything at weird things in wine we have a website so if you want to go to the website, you can find all our information there.
0: OMG, if you have a, an interesting story or just any story, you can send us anything. Like, if yeah. you can send us a bedtime story, whatever.
1: Send us anything. We will read it on the podcast if it's, like, appropriate.
0: Literally, I was going to say, like, don't be creepy or don't vulgar.
1: Creepy. But um Wine at gmail.com. And thank you again to that one listener who who sent in their story it really set the tone for the whole
0: podcast honestly perfect
1: yeah (laughs) it was lovely i loved it so much um There is so much information out there about Bigfoot and we might need to do a follow-up eventually sometime in the future.
0: I think we probably will. Bigfoot and you know Area 51 and
1: all that Mm -hmm. stuff because lots of stuff is happening. So Yeah. And we will be searching for Bigfoot at some point and we will come back to you with what happens. Absolutely.
0: We're gonna find him. Yeah. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. We have a pocket full of pebbles and we're ready (laughs) to go.
1: (laughs) Go Going squatching. Go and squatching. (laughs) Stay weird. And drink wine. Cheers. Cheers. Stick around for some bloopers and outtakes. <laughs> I'm not telling stories very well right now. You're just doing great. I'm very excited to be here. Same. <laughs> Jane Goodall. Do you not know who that is? No. Who is it? That's the, the chimp lady. She like does like a lot of work with like chimps. And she's, like, really big in the, ch- the chip community. But Are also you, are the you in community. the chip community? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, but, this is interesting. Okay. <laughs> no. Why don't I know this? I'm, like, <laughs> I am <have> a story. <laughs> like, you need to do the research for it. <laughs> she's, like, in a fever haze writing this book in, like, a dungeon, in, like, a basement suite. <laughs> and they're me. I wrote like <laughs> Could you imagine... <laughs> I also don't think that that matters, and I didn't need to bring it up. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's
0: very, it's vital.
1: Okay, I'm gonna cut all of that. Out. <laughs> you probably should. I'm sorry. That was a mess.
0: I mean, fifty is like a ton.
1: It is like probably. Like, how actually do you eat that
0: much? <laughs> a metric ton. Yes.
1: Maybe there was more than one. Possible. There were three screams. There were three big. <laughs>
0: The three of them, all together, were so upset that the melons were not ready. (laughs) They screamed one after the other. No, wait, there's three of them, remember? Oh, there's three of them. (laughs) So, really, one only has to carry four. (laughs) That's how math works. They all carry... They all carry
1: the 3.33 (laughs) thing
0: Because they're so good at math, they can do that. <laughs>
1: like, Mr. Bauman? I don't think that's accurate. I don't think his last name was Bauman. I think his name was just Bauman.
0: <laughs> that's, that's the only way he was referred to in this story. He yeah, like Mr. Bauman.
1: Bauman so many times, and I was like, this is, like, funny. I don't know if she's doing it on purpose, though, so I don't want to laugh.
0: Now, the,
1: the, the, the. Oh my god, Ash was oh scared. The hell sh- out of again. Me. You scared me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was Whoa. really into the story. <laughs> Ash Oh my god. <laughs> William was telling her about a Bigfoot <laughs> encounter and then suddenly it looked over and that's boring I can't see that far. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Red Bull was a mistake. <laughs>
0: sorry. No. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry for scaring you. Literally, a- it will be a blooper. It's going to be <laughs> one of my favorite bloopers. This always happens. Oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've been recording for almost five hours.
0: I hope you leave that in. This is how dedicated we are to, to you people listening and talking to each other. Do is it just that we like freaking each other out? Is that like why we do this? I think
1: so. <laughs> I love it when you tell me something that's just spooky, you know? <laughs> oh, we <me> have fun.
0: <laughs> Somehow we're talking about murderers and like death yeah. and like melons.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like... Is this it? Do we have to retire after this?
0: No, we just keep talking about <laughs> <laughs> We just continue on as Bigfoot field researchers from now on. (laughs) We we have
1: our one psychedelic special and then we're out. (laughs)